Hello. Hello there. It's go time. <laughs> it is go time. Go, 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 go. <laughs> yes. As they say in Joseph and his magic technicolor dream coach. Is that what they say? Go, 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 go. I, I never saw the musical, but I did see the ads. Oh, okay. So go, 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 go. Go, go to go, the go, go, go. door to the show. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So I assume that's a, a song from it. Huh. Yeah. I thought it was like a Middle Eastern shepherd, so it should be like, goat, 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 goat. No, oh, that's good. I like goat, 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 goat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. I don't even know the story, but, you know, we can. that's a thing we could talk about on the air. No, that's we don't. one of those things. That's one of those things. Joseph. Yeah. And it's amazing Technicolor Dream Code. I didn't even, don't even know what that refers to. You don't? Oh, okay. I figured no. that was a Bible story. I I don't think it's a Bible story in the sense that it's a Technicolor Dream Code. I think that's... But I don't know. I don't know. What, I, what Joseph are they talking about? Are they talking about Joseph... Marion Joseph? Are they talking about Joseph who well, got beaten? I assume not. I think it's a different Joseph. The Joseph who got beaten up by his brothers and left in a ditch to die, and then he got captured by the Egyptians, and then it's it's based on the story of Joseph from the Book of Genesis. Oh, that's the one then. So yeah, so yeah. then he then he then his brother like then there's problems in in wherever the Jew, Jews are, and then they go to Egypt, and they're all like, oh, we're going to be in trouble here, and then they discovered that Joseph, who they you know beaten up and left for dead, is now has worked his way up to become like a high, a high, you know, high civil servant in the in the pharaoh's government, and then they were like, "Oh shit!" So there you go. Very good. I summed it up for you. All right, and that's all I need to know. I never need to see the musical. <laughs> the, the Vegas. That's right. That the song. Whoa, shit! <laughs> We've done it now. We beat our brother up, left him to die in a ditch. Yep, the classic. Is that a, a Andrew Lloyd Webber joint? I uh, I don't like it, so yes, I'm sure it was. Let's see. Yep. There you go. And, and don't forget the rice. Andrew or uh, Andrew? No, wait, not Tim. Andrew. Tim Rice. That's right. Tim Rice. Yep. Tim yep. Rice. Tim Rice and his writing device that would write <laughs> any lyrics for him. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't didn't work on cats though. Yeah. And did he work? Uh, he worked. He did something with ABBA. What was that? Chess. Uh, Oh, okay, chess, chess yeah. yeah, which has the one song that everyone knows, and then that's it. Yeah. Huh. Oh, and also he did Aladdin and The Lion King. Oh, crying out loud, quite a bit. Okay, good for him. <laughs> he took over for uh, Ellen Menken, was it? One of the one of the one of those guys died. who was part of the, the sort of the resur- resurgence yeah. of the, mu- the Disney yeah, musical. Yeah, that's, that's a sad story there. Yeah, sure is. But, but uh, yeah, he yeah okay, and he did the Rotel Dorado as well, which you know no one talks about anymore but it was pretty good hmm. that was all right it survived in uh memes which is you know all <laughs> that's you something really that's something it's yeah. like it's like surviving like a zombie yes yeah basically yeah <laughs> that sounds right i don't disagree with you <laughs> all right we should start this sh- we should start this the show and this is uh yours this is co- this is comedy gold mm-hmm. <laughs> our version fool's gold <laughs> Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sneaky Dragon. My name is David Dedrick. And I'm Ian Boothby. And Ian? Yeah, David, what's up? I have to apologize. Oh, okay, well. To you. We're Canadian. To you, not, not to anyone else, not to our listeners. No, no, but we're not- both Canadian, so, you know, this is how we should start every episode. Yeah. Go ahead. That's it. Carry on. So, last week, as you know, 
we uh, received some chocolate from the very generous Mick Elliott and a book and a book called Weird Shit. So, yeah, I don't, I don't like where this is going. Continue. <laughs> but so I, I just want to apologize because I did not get your chocolates to you. So they're still, oh, okay. they're still sitting saying, here. And I, in fact, I, in sympathy, yeah, I did not eat mine. So they're they're two by two here. Okay, I thought you were going to say that you uh, had a hard week and you ate the chocolates. <laughs> no, I which did. Okay. I did not eat the chocolates. So uh, they're sitting there, uh, and uh, actually, you know what? I decided I'm going to kidnap them. I'm going to hold them for ransom. Uh, you have to pay a ransom of five dollars in uh, five dollar, or I'll just drop them off. The reason I was late though is because I, I wanted oh, to finish okay, reading that book. Let me do my joke now. Oh, okay, sure. All right. uh, well, I'm, what I'm going to do then yeah. is I'm going to send uh, 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 Liam Nielsen uh, uh, after you. Okay. Of course, Nielsen. Yes. Is an obscure uh, chocolate. It sure is. Uh, it's it's uh, rosebuds. It's rosebuds. Yeah, is it Canadian? Sounds. It, it, it sounds Canada, Canadian. It sounds yeah, Canadian. It's a Canada-owned company. There okay. You go. Uh, so I'm going to send Liam Nielsen. Sure. Uh, to uh, kid uh, to uh, retrieve the kidnapped chocolate. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, just so you know, I have tiny miniature bottles from a, from an airplane taped to my my knuckles, so I'm ready for him. Okay, you're gonna fight him wolf style. I'm not gonna fight him though. I'm not gonna fight him. I'm just gonna be ready, and then it's just gonna fade to black, and then the credit sequence will start. Okay, he's gonna fight you using Mr. Big Bar, <laughs> yeah, Sweet Marie's, Crispy <laughs> okay. uh, 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 Crunches, e- Treasures. Uh, he's going to use Molly O's. Don't even yeah, know. You don't remember that. Dude. I don't know where you're going. And, uh, Virginia's. Uh, yeah. Virginia's. I remember Virginia's. They're basically and like a chocolate bar. Just a plain chocolate bar. And uh, Rosebuds. Rosebuds. And then also the Dark Buds. Yeah. Which would be uh, less milk chocolate. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he'll he'll use the Treasures and also the Four Flavors. He's, <laughs> he's got. He's had those. Those don't even exist anymore. Also, yeah. Also, oh, I totally forgot about this this damn thing. Okay. The Danish. Oh man, that what? bar. I remember. I like that one. What it's, is that one? It's kind of flaky and and white and weird. Oh, oh so strange that doesn't bar. ring a bell. Because you know, yeah. I I generally I didn't get a lot of chocolate. I, you know what? I guess I did get chocolate bars because my mom was a chocolate bar hound when when I was a kid. So right. she would like buy us a chocolate bar in order to assuage the guilt that she was eating a chocolate bar, but. I tended to choose the same ones over and over again, which is basically the Mr. Big Bars. Yeah, because this is your McDonald's strategy. It feels well. No, it's not that. It just felt like that was the best. The best. You know, you're getting the best for the least. Like you know, like you know, you're getting a big bar. Yeah, you're getting a lot of air, though. Yeah, I know. I, I realized you're looking back at it now, I yeah, you're not counting the air. I realized what a fool I was, which I will never feel about. Only eating Big Macs, by the way. That I will never regret that. Even laying in my deathbed and never having eaten a quarter pounder, which I've never had a quarter pounder in my life. This I can't believe. I will. Not, I will not. I will. I will not think to myself. If only I skipped one Big Mac and had a quarter pounder. Okay. Well, what I'm my, I'm my saying, dying words. All right. I'm now sending you the uh, the list of the chocolate bars, the pictures of the chocolate bars, so you okay. can see Thank you. the mysterious Danish chocolate bar. Uh-huh. Which just and the Molly O. What the hell was a Molly O? <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, but go ahead. You were continuing your apology, and I interrupted you. I apologize for the apology interruption. <laughs> you, yeah, you better apologize. Uh, yes, I no, did, and I have. Y- you did. <laughs> I, I'll acknowledge that. Anyway, uh, sorry. Just turning off the sound on one of my devices here because it was dinging away. So the reason I didn't return the or bring bring you the tacos is because I yes. wanted to finish reading weird shit. The book about comic books, 
but weird comic ah. books so that I could, I could give that to you to look at and then we could discuss it on a, on a later show. I so see. I finished it today. So I will now, oh, my other phone, my other device is going up. Uh, I will bring that to you at another, at a later date. And did you, uh, did you enjoy the book just in general? Not to spoil it too much, but uh, I, I was, I did, you know, it's a, it's a book that would be best served in a bathroom. Like just got, gee whiz, it'd be best served in a, ba- in a bathroom. Uh, well, it's you sending me photos. Yeah, it was. Those are the only two I'm going to be sending. Oh, that's fine. Oh, no, I turned off my Wi-Fi. I meant to turn off my sound. That Here, do not disturb. That can be easy. (laughs) The one that comes up right away is turn off your Wi-Fi. That seems smart. So, uh, yeah, it would be perfect in a bathroom because it's it's basically like, you know, like has a a picture from the inside the comic, the cover, and then a little blurb describing what it is. And so you could do like one a day, you know, when you're Hmm. when you're doing your business. And, you know, it's just one of those kind of books that are just perfect to open up randomly and look at, you know, which is like the the essence of a good bathroom book. You know, it's not, you don't want to be reading like a long story. You just want to have like something quick to, to glance through and then, and then carry on. I often, I often leave um, film, like biograph, biographical uh, encyclopedias of film and stuff in, in the bathroom. Because mm-hmm. those you can just sort of page through, you know. I just feel later on you'll remember something you read and then you'll have a sense memory where you've got a poop. <laughs> I think that's the problem. Are you telling me you don't have books in your bathroom? Anyway, the the point is, it just it reminds me of uh, deflection. When people, you, people used to say, uh, if you want to, if you know, if you want to make love well, yeah, um, then at uh, that those crucial times, yeah, uh, you think of baseball. It's like always think of baseball. Mm, then mm. I'm like, oh, but the reverse is going to be true. So you're watching yeah. a baseball game, and now you're all getting all horned up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah think yeah. of baseball huh okay that's what they used to say was like think of baseball scores and oh, okay you know, okay but maybe baseball really excites you and yeah that'd be a problem or maybe it's maybe you find it so tedious you just you would just lose your you, you just would you know yeah but then you're like all of a sudden you're like aroused by johnny bench <laughs> and you, then you call your significant other johnny yep everything gets confused yeah, I was like, "What?" No, I'm just. I was just thinking about Johnny Bench. <laughs> oh, that that's okay then. So that's was I. And then you go, "We have so much in common," and then the marriage is safe. It all works out. Uh, it all works out fine. Yeah, that's how it goes. Is the marriage saved by having things in common? Oh, I, I, you know, I think that's a good thing to have some things in common okay. in your marriage. Sure. Yeah, I think that's a good. You know, some some of your own stuff and some of stuff in common. I don't know. You've been married longer than I have. You tell me how it works. <laughs> I don't know. You stumble along and... Uh... <laughs> there you go. That's the, that's, the, that's the plan. I believe that was in your wedding vows, too. Just like, I don't know, stumble you were along there. and good luck. <laughs> you remember? You were there? That's what I said. No, I, I don't remember. <laughs> I, me neither. I remember it was a nice day. It was a nice uh, day. I remember it was nice. Uh, that's about all I remember, really. Yeah, don't remember much, but much beyond that. I don't remember how I got there. I don't remember how I got out. I do remember seeing you before the wedding. Yeah, you dropped by. We went to the mall. We played some video games. That's right. We played a little <laughs> air hockey, I believe. Um, I got you uh, some uh, smell my gack. Like for some reason, I got you that. I don't know why, why I got you that. Um, and like some other some book. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, I just was uh, trying to blow off your nerves. <laughs> there you go. Because, yeah, you just... know... I knew that that night was the first night you were going to uh, have made love. 
Yes. And so I'm like, well, you must be tense. You, what you meant is that would be the first night I was going to make love as the owner of Pots and Pans. Oh, would you like bang those afterwards? <laughs> no, no, it's just the first time in my life I ever owned Pots and Pans. And so, you know, that was the first time I ever made love to my wife, to my wife, but also as the owner of Pots and Pans. Well, this is it. Yeah, you, you did... Did you you didn't live on your own before uh, marriage? Is that right? Am I remembering that correctly, or did you? We did for a while, but we didn't have like that much stuff. Okay. Like, we didn't really have any like cookware and things like that. We had we were just we just kind of we had a, a little we had a little bit of stuff, but. but so what we, would you do for like so it's breakfast time? What happens? Well, I just I just have cereal for breakfast, so a bowl and milk is. All okay, I need. so what would you do for dinner? Um, we usually went over. To- one of our parents' places. We usually okay. were, we're usually at Lisa's mom and dad's because it's just the way it worked out. Because Lisa worked, um, you know, she was teaching riding right. and stuff, and she needed to take care of her horses as well. So we were we were generally there, and so we we mostly we we did eat at home every once in a while, but mostly we just had like a like a minimal amount of stuff, right? Like we had like a pot and we had a frying pan, and that was it. Like we didn't have like you know, a, an assortment of pots and, you know, we didn't have anything like to, for cooking spaghetti. That was very difficult. Just things like that, you know. So it was, it was, it was my grandma who gave us uh, a big box of pots and pans. So it was pretty exciting. Nice. I was able to join the very small cop, copper bottom pot that I had. Oh, okay. Nice. I think we had, yeah, maybe when I was living uh, with my first roommate, Alan, I think we had Maybe a fry pan and maybe a, a pot to like cook rice in. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be that'd be about right. Sure. That'd be about it. It looked like uh, when I a little later on, it looked like I had a big bag of cocaine in the in the uh, cupboard, uh, but it was really just magic powder, that kind of powder that turns uh, water into gelatin because I thought that was cool, and I shouldn't have kept that in your food. <laughs> That was a mistake, probably. Uh, but we had very, very little food in the fridge. Yeah. Or, or like yeah. in the fridge. Fuck it. We didn't have food in the fridge. What are we, crazy? Um, we had uh, very little food in the cupboard. Yeah, yeah. You know, if we had minute rice, it was like, whoa, big shots. <laughs> what are you going to do? Add a little cheese to that? Ooh. And he'd bring home, uh, you know, uh, things from the 7-Eleven that were past their sell-by date. Yeah. But not expired, but just past their sell-by <laughs> Sure, date. sure. I understand what you mean. Yeah, so we would like strip the sandwiches of meat. Oh, we were uh, living large, living the dream. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Own. When you first move out, yeah. either you you do at least and I did, which is rely on you know parents for for sustenance, or you like from for a long, or just buy food somewhere. Like you just go, oh well, there's a fish and chips place nearby. I can just walk over there and get something and bring it back home again. Yeah, that sounds good. We'll just do that. Yeah, there's also things like you know. You'd go to a fast food restaurant and, you know, if I go to Burger King, I couldn't finish like a full Whopper or whatever. So, you know, that's like two meals worth of stuff for like, you know, whatever. Or you could be like an idiot and buy your own ground beef. And like, well, that's stupid because it's less to buy it cooked by a professional. And, yeah. That knows what they're doing. Sure. Yeah, you couldn't convince me that it made sense to do that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, eating uh, eating other places, if someone would invite you to dinner, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was good. That, that was good. Yeah, yeah good food feeling. was an issue. Food was really, for sure, an issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Lisa and I were fair, you know, fairly growing up, but it was the first time that we were living away from home, and so you just kind of get, you get along. You get along. Now, she grew up on a farm. Was it a farm that had grew food, or was it just a horse farm? It was a horse farm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What do you mean, just so, a horse farm? 
What I mean is like, if you're hungry, you can't eat the horse. <laughs> you can't eat the horse. No, right? you can't. So if you're hungry and you live on a farm that's got food, yeah. you can, you mm. know, should it come down to it, Theoretically, eat, sure. eat the food. Yeah. You know, but, uh, but you can't uh, do the do the thing. Well, you could eat a horse, I suppose. Uh, you know, how French, but uh, <laughs> you wouldn't want to. You feel, uh, you feel bad about that. Have uh, ghost horse dreams. <laughs> you don't want that. When I first started going out there, they had cattle. They had some cattle, and that, but that was for their farm taxes. So, oh, but, they were their accountants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dave, yeah. let me spell it. Let me spell it this way. Sure. Uh, they're uh, cow. <laughs> yep. Yep. Huh? That's why I laughed. That's pretty good. If we have any kids listening, they enjoy that joke. That's a joke for the kids. <laughs> oh, and for the dads too, because I, yeah, I thought it was and great. Picturing the cows, of course. Now I thought it was great. With our glasses and those little uh, visors. Yeah, the little. <laughs> Yeah, the little the little garters on their arms to keep their sleeves out of the ink pot. Yeah. Oh, those are adorable cows. I would love to see more <laughs> of those cows. <laughs> yes. But later on, somehow the government changed the law so they could just grow hay. Okay. And as long as they sold a certain amount of their hay to other people, then it was considered a farm and they could get their farm tax that way. So that's what they did. Because they needed they got we did we did hay anyway because of the horses. So I'm almost surprised how many comedians uh love the idea of like having a farm like a zach galifianakis or mm. dave Chappelle. yeah and you know just like uh okay i'm just gonna go have a farm now mm. and they mm. and they do and they enjoy it they seem to do okay well zach Galif- i think zach galifianakis grew up in a rural area right uh, that's not well i know he grew up in the south yeah so maybe he's just returning to his roots you know and D- dave Chappelle as well like he, he lives in the town that his father lived in and uh so I guess he just wanted to return to, I mean, he was probably looking for a place that, you know, he could, either he could move to Washington, D.C., where he lived with his mom, you know, or he could move to a bucolic rural place. Yeah, I think it's in Ohio where he lives. Okay. But uh, yeah, that's where his father, his father taught at university there. He taught, taught at a black, I, black college. I was just, uh, I was just looking up, you know, what comedians have farms. Yeah. And, uh, and there are farm themed comedians and too many of them. <laughs> farm themed? Yeah, okay. like Tim the Dairy Farmer. Mm-hmm. He's a comedian. Okay. Uh, there is Dennis Gringon, who does farm-inspired comedy. Sure. Uh, Farmer Jim, that's a comedian. Yep. Uh, so there's a five. At least there's at least five agricultural comedians. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, some, then, someone has to someone has to fill in those nights at the Holiday Inn. Yeah, and then it immediately goes to the movie Funny Farm with Chevy Chase. <laughs> uh, that, if I remember correctly, did know. not involve a farm. Ah. Uh. So they shouldn't have that in that list. No, I don't think. Uh, like, uh, it, it, the, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, the poster had uh, him kind of smiling like a dumb guy, but with a cracked egg on his head, <laughs> and he's going like, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, 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 looking at it. That's what it is. Yeah. Like, what are you gonna, what are you gonna do? Uh, and uh, if I'm, if I, yeah, if I'm remembering correctly, there was no farm. Huh. So I uh, it's a, yeah. So I guess we'll just have to do it like off the top of our head. Who owns? Who has a farm? Oh, his name is Farmer. Oh. Well, that's not good enough. No, no. No, none of that. Because not uh, Funny Farmer. Yeah, that's what it would be, Funny Farmer. Mm-hmm. No, this is not. No, they weren't. A, they weren't on a farm. Yeah, this bugged me. <laughs> Val Kilmer has a ranch. Okay, sure, that makes sense. Uh, I, ranch seems like the kind of yeah machoy thing you get on a nice mm. ranch. Steve but Zahn, the actor Steve Zahn, has a farm in New Jersey. Okay, I know that off the top of my head. Okay, and when I heard that, I was like, 
<laughs> I don't know why I thought this, but because you know, because you your vision of a place is based on on media. So you know, when he said I have a farm in New Jersey, I was like, I was like, New Jersey has farms, but then it's the Garden State, so I guess it must have farms. But yeah, Chris Pratt, he's got a farm. Does he have a farm? Yeah, he has a farm. Oprah has a farm. Well, that's not a big surprise. Russell Crowe, <laughs> he's got like a big farm and a ranch yeah, yeah. situation going on. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see who else has a farm. Well, that's not that's not the case, is it? Uh, uh, Neil Young has a ranch that he bought. Oh, that's him. nice. But. Julia Roberts. That doesn't seem. That seems like bullshit. Um, well, you know, she she was married to Lyle Lovett. Maybe she really fell in love with like the ranch life because he has a ranch. Right, and then she ditched him and dated a scarecrow for a while. Some people say she didn't know the difference, but I'm saying I'm saying she was cheating on him with a scarecrow. Yeah, scarecrow. yeah. The hair gave the hair gave it away. He should have known who was Lyle and who was a yeah. scarecrow. Uh, Mark Ruffalo, he's got a big ranch. Wow. Yeah, big huh. Ruffalo ranch. I think of that guy's like as Mr. Urban. So oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why, but I just do. I guess because I associate him more. Th- I know that now he's like a, a Marvel superstar, but I always associate Mark Ruffalo with like doing indie films. Yeah, like he's the indie film guy to me, and so I always to me that's like urban. If you're in, in indie films, you're not, not going to have a farm. Well, I see him as an environmentalist because he does a lot of anti-fracking stuff. So oh, okay. that way, I see like if you go, uh, yeah. Elizabeth Hurley has a a big uh, organic farm, four hundred acre farm. I guess that. Rich, um, Katie Cuoco. Katie Cuoco has a horse farm, horse ranch, so horse farm. Okay. Because her husband is a, he's a jumper. He's a. Jason Momoa. Jason he's Momoa. A, okay. He's got a big old, uh, big old ranch. See, that makes perfect and, uh, sense, all right? Yeah. And uh, it looks like Ben Affleck has one too, and he's happy. So everything's great. <laughs> he's doing great. He's doing great. He's doing great. He's, he's, he's always, here's the thing Ben Affleck is always doing great. You check in on him and just like, How's he doing? He just won an Oscar, right? Let me see how he's doing today. Oh, Jesus. Okay, well, no, now he's fine, right? He's yeah, he's doing bad. He's, he's going to be great. Let me check how he's doing. Oh, Jesus. Okay, I'm sorry about that. Okay, well, he's in a happy relationship now, right? Yeah, oh, let's just see how things are going. Oh, Dude! No, oh, okay. Th- throwing her in a garbage can? What the heck? Yeah. What are you doing? Oh, hey, you're here in Vancouver. What are you doing? Oh, you going to see Brandy? Who's that? Oh, the strip club? Mm, okay, well, as long as you don't make a big deal out of it. Oh, lots of photographers, you say. Oh, no one can keep their mouth shut, you say? Oh, okay, big scandal, you say. Okay, well, that's smart of you. Okay, you know, being a celebrity and whatnot. Okay, bye! <laughs> yes. Isn't it funny? Yeah, he'll be back, though. It'll be fine. Sure. Like, that's that's yeah. the Affleck way. He'll be back with, like, six Oscars. And then, like, a, a part that you go, oh, my gosh, that is... That's the greatest part of all time. He'll be fantastic. And then, yeah, he will. And he'll win all the awards and everything will be great. He'll be praised. And then a week later, it's like, oh, no. Took a shit in the bus. Well, he's already done a movie called The Way Back. So he'll have to, uh, I guess, came out last year where he's like a basketball coach with a drinking problem. What was the movie? Yeah. What was the movie? Again, those those movies are... uh, you know they're good. They're they're kind of Oscar baby. You know what that movie that movie doesn't follow doesn't follow the 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 like the usual tropes or whatever of that of that genre. Oh, it's, so it's, it's pro alcohol. It's not pro alcohol, but it's okay. That'd be funny if like they go like you know what he is actually more fun drunk. Yeah, and that's how the movie goes. Well, let me tell you let me tell you the story of the movie because I don't I don't think you're gonna watch Please it. Tell me the story. I'm being a smartass. I don't think go you're gonna ahead. watch it. So. So in the movie, he's, you know, he's working, he's a guy working on the construction site and one of the, you know, he's like, you know, he's got his like a uh, cup of Coke from a 
drive through whatever, and then he's pouring alcohol in it. So you know he's a drunk, right? And then after work, he goes to a bar. So you know this guy's a drinking problem. We've spelled it out for you. And then he... But we also find out that he was once a basketball star at his high school. He went to a local Catholic school. And so the school contacts him, not knowing much about him, but they just know that once Pontemi is a shining light, and they want him to come back and coach at the school. And he's kind of unwilling, and they convince him, and so he starts doing it. And... You know, he starts turning the team around. So, so far, so normal. So far, so normal. But near the end of the film, I don't want to go, go too much into it. the usual thing of team building, all that kind of stuff. And then what's kind of funny, though, is he can't stop swearing when he's coaching. And so he's really offending, like, the the people that are, you know, been hired to, like, work with him as, who are part of the school faculty, you know. But he just can't help himself. He gets so excited. But anyway, so then, um, but near the end of the film, they discover that he's been drinking while he's been coaching. And so they fire him. And the team goes on to win the championship, but he's not there. He's not there at all. In fact, he's involved in like a a car accident and, uh, where he crashes into a boat that's been parked on the road, breaks into people's houses, into a person's house, not realizing he's going to the wrong house because he's too drunk to know it. He ends up in jail. And that's basically, and the movie ends with him getting out of jail. And, and kind of, he, I think he kind of goes to like a to an AA meeting or whatever, you know, and that's kind of where the movie sort of ends. But he's not there for, like, the championship. He blew it. He was drinking on the job, and that, that's just the way it goes. And it was just sort of weird, because that's not normal in those sort of films, right? Was this a true story? No. Okay. It's, but interesting, right? That it would just kind of go off in its own little way. It was quite yeah. good. I thought it was good. I thought it was fine. Happy, yeah, the happy ending. Yeah. Uh, thing. I mean, it's, you know, it's got its corny elements to it, and, and you know, because that's the that's one of those movies, but at the same time, it kind of, it kind of made its own sort of way through the story. And I thought it was, I didn't think it was terrible. And you know, he's a good actor. So what's your, what's your favorite um, movie about sobriety? Favorite movie about sobriety, about sobriety. Um, about, and it could be a person who falls off the wagon and doesn't. Uh, doesn't well, my favorite movie about, or, yeah. sure. My favorite movie about sobriety is uh, drugstore cowboy. Okay. Where he he's sober for a while at the end of the film, and then it sounds it feels like he's going to go back off of sobriety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but that's that's my favorite uh, film of of that sort of thing. I love that movie. I do like, uh, and again, no parent can like it, but Train Spotting. But, uh, but yeah, no, nope. nope. yeah, no, no parent can watch that <laughs> nope, movie. Nope, nope, nope. I understand, uh, but I will go with for alcohol. Yeah, um, I will go with Twenty Eight Days. Twenty Eight Days, the zombie one. You know, this is funny because that is directed by the person who directed Train Spotting 28 Days Later. No, uh, 28, 20, um, 28 Days, the movie with Sandra Bullock, uh, that's uh, directed by Betty Thomas, underrated director Betty Thomas. Director of The Brady Bunch, one and two. Director of Howard Stern's Private Parts. Uh, <laughs> a person who uh, I always, she's one of these directors I admire because she's the kind of person who directs movies that should not work. Okay. Like you should not enjoy a Howard Stern movie. Like, like that shouldn't work. And you've never enjoyed another <laughs> Howard Stern movie. Uh, no, Private Parts is a is a well made well made film. Right. Yeah, and then you know the Brady Bunch movie was like, wow, that was a very surprising film. Then mm-hmm. like again, that should not work. Su- super work. super well cast that film. Yeah, all really well cast, really well delivered, great mm-hmm. premise. You get it, and it holds its own through the whole thing. And, uh, and, and then, yeah, uh, 28 days, uh, 28 days. I, want, I keep wanting to say later, but it's not, <laughs> but yeah, she's 28 days earlier. And then like, you know, it's, it's her 28. She's basically, ch- uh, crashes a car and then is given a choice of, we can either go to jail 
for uh, 28 days in a rehab center. And so we follow her into the rehab center and go through everything there. And, uh, and yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a well done one of those. Uh, hmm. Around the same time, it feels like um, Michael Keaton had a similar okay. uh, film yeah. that I did not like as much. Clean, and, clean and Sober, I think it was called? Clean and Sober? Yeah, Clean and Sober, yeah. That was a bit more like, give me an Oscar! And I'm like, okay, <laughs> calm, calm it all down. Calm it all down. This is uh, the thing. Yeah, yeah. Now, now I'm looking like Betty Thomas and seeing like what uh, what other movies uh, she did. Uh, well, yeah, she was in um, Hill Street Blues. She was definitely in Hill Street Blues. Um, uh, yeah, Brady Bunch movie, Private Parts. Uh, uh, the nine, the ninety eight version of Doctor Doolittle. I guess that's the Eddie Murphy one. Um, okay, she directed uh, that. Uh, she did direct that. Yes. Huh. Well, she uh, didn't make gold out of everything. You're saying. Well, that made infinite money. That movie. So okay, you know, that's a sure know. sign of quality. Uh, well, it's not really the quality. <laughs> it's just it launched. Uh, yeah. You know, many, many, many a sequel. So. Yeah, uh, she should be. Yeah, I think when when you when you say when you you know when you she is underrated because obviously yeah she's d- delivered. You know, unexpected hits. She's delivered big hits for people. She's done small personal films that have been good with like 28 Days. Yep. She did a lot of television. Um, mm. Okay, here's trivia. Uh, she directed Dr. Doolittle with. Oh, here's a dumb little bit of trivia that okay. I like, always like bringing up. Sure. It's like. Uh, oh, it's uh, the same trivia that, that you always bring up. Yeah, which is Dr. Doolittle is a character yeah. that uh, if you, if you, um, you know, see the ranking of. The best Saturday Night Live actor of all time and the worst Saturday Night Live actor of all time, they both played Dr. Doolittle. Sorry, so you're saying Robert Downey Jr. is the worst Saturday Night Live actor of all time? Yeah, he's he's consistently ranked as the worst Saturday Night Live actor of all time. Hmm. This like, which, I, which n- I think is fair. Not impactful. Uh, it's not. No, no, no. He was impactful. He was just the worst. Like, okay. he, he, um, he, he, okay, because sometimes you're the actor who, doesn't do much, but you fade in the background and you, you know, kind of keep to yourself. Yeah. He was very upfront and out there oh. and bad, like, <laughs> like out there bad and, and, you know, uh, really took a lot of focus, you know, uh, cause you can go like, uh, Damon Wayans was, was really bad. Yeah. But you know, he wasn't there that long and yeah. really only like took focus once. Uh, yeah. So Robert Downey Jr. played Dr. Doolittle. So did Eddie Murphy. Hmm. You know the 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 greatest Saturday Night Live uh, actor of all time, and then you know, and Robert Downey Jr. I think has had some success on other things, so he's fine. Um, but here's my trivia for you. Um, okay. uh, she directed Eddie Murphy okay. in Doctor Doolittle. Yep. She directed Eddie Murphy oh. four years later yep. in another movie. And Norbert? Uh, no, it's not Norbert. I will okay. give you this. Okay. It was uh, it was a buddy comedy. Oh. Um, uh, and it was based on a 60s television show. Oh, she directed The Man from Uncle. No. Oh, no, sorry. I Spy. I Spy with, with yes, Owen Wilson. That's what that's I meant correct. to say. Sorry. Yeah. I Spy. And, and okay. it was, that was not a great movie, but she did direct it. Well, okay. Not a great movie, but it has that fantastic scene where they're both stuck in like a, a sewer or something like that. And they're just talking with each other. Do you, do you remember that scene I'm talking about? Am I, I don't know. I'm misremembering? No, I don't oh, okay. No. I, I always remember that scene because it just felt like, they just kind of improvised a little scene in a sewer and they're kind of like, well, we'll just put it in the movie. They're just, mm. and it just feels, it's just kind of, it's different in tone from the rest of the movie. It's a, kind of a weird scene. And I always kind of think about it. Well, I don't always think about I spy, but I just think about that when I think about Owen Wilson, because I'm always one of those sort of people who are like poor Owen Wilson <laughs> or whatever, you know, he seemed to have lose 
lose the you know the arc of his career. He seemed to he kind of didn't understand what he was, where he was, what he was, what he was. You know. All right. Now here's another one she directed that was for television. Okay. 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 Uh, and uh, oh boy, what's the what's the clues I can give you about this? Uh, it, all right. It uh, it featured mm -hmm. uh, just featured. Okay. Uh, in it, uh, these are not the leads. The leads would not actually help you in this. Um, <laughs> Kathy Bates was in it okay. as kind of the villain. Mm. Rich Little was in it oh. as well. Okay. And it was about uh, something that happened in entertainment history that you were interested in when it happened. <laughs> and this is a 1996 uh, television film covering, uh, uh, you know, a troublesome time in uh, American pop culture history. So it's and not again, it's not that one about, about David Letterman and Jay Leno. You bet it was. That's right. Huh. She directed The Late Shift. Okay, so I guess Kathy Bates must have been playing uh, Jay Leno's manager then. Yeah. Famous, a famously abrasive Helen, woman. Uh, yeah, famously abrasive yeah. woman. And I think she might have won an award for it now hmm. that I'm thinking about it. Hmm. Good for her. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Kathy Bates won... Well, she won an American Comedy Award. Yeah, she won a Golden Globe for it. Hmm. Uh, yeah, and a lot of... Uh, oh, yeah, and she won an Emmy for it as well. Yeah. And and the weird thing is, I was looking like, who do, who is the guy who played David Letterman? And uh, he's he's a guy who you would know from every Christopher Guest movie. Oh, is that right? Yeah, his name is uh, John Michael Higgins. And uh, he's also in all the Pitch Perfect movies. He's one of the commentators. Oh, okay. Oh, that guy. Oh, really? That guy. Yeah. Okay, I know who you mean. David oh, that's a. I yeah, guess that would work. Thinking, right? like I guess that so would work. On his face. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I guess that but, would work. Uh, yeah, he was David Letterman. Yeah, he plays the sexist jerk to Elizabeth Banks, kind of. Yeah. Blonde, her blonde performance in his. Uh, yeah, and the other guy, uh, the other guy who played uh, Jay Leno was Daniel Ro Roebuck, who you would recognize if you saw him. Sure, but you would not ever like see him in something and go, "Oh, that was Jay Leno." He, this guy <laughs> had so much putty on his chin. Oh, is that right? Just like, yeah, yeah, he's just doing, he's just doing an impression. Yeah, he's just doing an impression. Yeah, he's doing that kind of like over the top thing. I read was, the, I read the book, but I did not see the movie. Oh, the movie is worth a. <laughs> worth a watch because it's such a cartoon. Okay. Like it's worth seeing uh, Jay Leno, uh, you know, um, hiding and listening to the executives talking. It's uh, it's just so over the top. If you're enjoying soap operas now, as I know you are, <laughs> uh, you might you might enjoy this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and again, directed by Eddie Thomas. Not not watching soap operas. And and who did Rich Little play? Do you think of? I'm gonna say Johnny Carson. You got it. There you go. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> as if I saw it, which I never did. No, but you you get it. Yeah, you understand. Sure. What's sure. going on? Yeah, I just because I know the story. I guess that's where I'm. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite a it's quite a quite a story at the time. I mean, it really felt it was a real ruction in uh, in late night. And you know what? You know, I can you know I can understand NBC's concerns that David Letterman wouldn't translate into an earlier time slot, but he what, also wasn't a ball player like Jim. But what they did though. Yeah, he wasn't a ball player, that's for sure. But what they did was they created a situation where instead of being the king of late night television, which NBC was, no one could challenge NBC at that time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if they had done it one, two, David Letterman, Jay Leno, they would have ruled late night for another 10 years or more because there's, there's no one who could compete against that, the tandem yeah, the only, of... The only one that came close for a brief time 
was Joan Rivers with uh, The Late Show, which then became The Joan Rivers Show. Yeah. But that was... Uh, and then, like, Arsenio Hall for a little bit. But sure, sure. But yeah, they just didn't have the staying was, power. Yeah. You know, they just... Yeah. Were, yeah. And... But what happened was NBC went to Jay Leno, alienated Letterman, who then went to CBS, and, you know, basically fractured late-night television into two different competing camps, one at CBS and one at NBC. And then that kind of opened up the the floodgates for a whole bunch of, you know, other shows of that sort to kind of compete in that sphere because there was no monolithic one network that had control of the night and all the other advertisers are like, oh, what's the point of advertising on the Pat C. Jack show or whatever? Because we're just throwing our money down the drain, you know? And so, but what happened was, you know, Letterman went to CBS at, and Leno took over uh, late the Tonight Show and, you know, and then that this kind of opened up the it kind of it sort of uh, split the audience so the, all the the ratings dropped so now other stations could compete against those ratings you know and it's, uh, that was it that was the yeah. end of the end of the hegemony of NBC over late night I think there was a thing with <clears throat> again with uh, with both uh, Joan Rivers and Arsenio Hall where they did have their spikes where it looked like oh they're coming for Johnny they're coming for Johnny <laughs> um, but then. Here's my theory on why both of them didn't last. Okay. Is uh, both of them were high energy shows, very high energy shows. Yeah. Where the host had to be on, 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 on. And uh, Carson could sometimes be on. Yeah. He could sometimes be off. He could sometimes be completely not there. Yeah, he could not be there and it really (laughs) wouldn't matter. That's the thing. He literally could leave his show. Yeah. And it wouldn't matter. The show ran itself. Yeah. Because it wasn't, it was just, it was the structure that people enjoyed. Mm-hmm. It was relaxing. Yeah. It was like, ah, okay. And then, <laughs> then there was so much effort being put into the Joan Rivers one and the Arsenio Hall one that, you know, you just, you, you can't keep it up. And even if you can keep it up, uh, people don't want that kind of energy all yeah. the time. You want to just relax. I just want to just, uh, what, what's going on? Swatch and uh, Charlie Rose is a bad example, but something like that, you know, where it's like <laughs> that's a real a snooze box. fest to me. Yeah. yeah, it's a black box space. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of interesting. What's going on? I'll watch a Larry King. It's just really relaxing. It's just like ah, that's what you want, you know. Whereas the you know Arsenio and, and Joan Rivers were both like ah, here yeah. we go, yeah. ah, it's cutting edge, and it's like that's not necessarily what you want for 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 that. Sure, and I, I and I think that. You know, having grown up when we did, we, I never was like, I didn't really appreciate Johnny Carson that much, like as a. Yeah, as a, me either. Yeah. But I, you know, looking back on it now, he, and having watched clips of his show since then, as an adult, I have to say that he was a really good interviewer. He really knew when to give the performer space in the interview mm-hmm. and when to step in, you know, like he was really good at, you know, kind of aiding the interview, but also kind of stepping back and letting the, the person tell a story to do, you know, be themselves, do whatever, you know. Whereas I found Joan Rivers, her interview style was not that great. She tended to like throw a lot of compliments, but they never felt that sincere because they're in a Joan Rivers voice. And yeah. and so it just it didn't really come across all that great. Like it didn't come across as like a great interview, you know, like you just kind of felt like it almost felt like she didn't have anything to say to the person. And so she just no, kind of filled it, it in by going, I think you're brilliant. I think what you're doing is great. Yeah, it was it, about finding the joke. It yeah, hunting, yeah. Hunting for the joke. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I didn't really watch Arsenio Hall too much. Uh, I did watch it a little bit, but yeah, it was kind of, it just felt, it wasn't Letterman, you know, and I was like a Letterman snob, so that was kind of hard to to break that habit. But And like Jay Leno, 
was a bit of a snooze too, right? Mm. But he had that right thing. It was like there was the snooze, and you're like, oh, I can relax and watch this. And people people wanted that. And then whenever you know the ratings were going down, they goose things up and make them more exciting. It was like, no, 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 no. It's not what people want. When you relax, you're going the complete opposite way. And it's like, yeah. And that's how he hosted the Tonight Show for 22 years. I'm looking up how long it was, 22 damn years. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Mm-hmm. And like, what impact? Like, I know it was there. It was a thing. But if you think like, whoa, what did uh, Jay Leno do on on his Tonight Show that you can remember? It's like yeah. uh, the dancing Edos, Jay walking. Uh, Hugh Grant once had to apologize for a blowjob. <laughs> Twenty two years. <laughs> there you go. A life well spent. Good job. There you are. Are you saying Jay Leno did the show for 22 years? Yeah. Wow. 23 years. Huh. Yeah, yeah. does that make sense? It does make sense. And it also is just like, okay. For a guy who li- really was not great at the job. Like, you don't <laughs> you don't think like now, oh, you know what I miss? I miss a, a Leno interview. <laughs> right? Like, you don't think about... <laughs> and it's also a guy who really never brought comedians, like, never never broke new comedians on the show like Johnny did. Or David Letterman. Get, or David Letterman. Uh, Letterman more. Letterman more than 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 uh, Leno. But well, yeah, that's what I know. I was saying. I think that I think Letterman did break new comedians on his show. I mean, that's where I first saw oh, Sam okay. Kinison. That's where I first saw uh, Ray Romano. That's where I first saw Dave Chappelle. Right. You know. So you know, I think he felt an obligation to continue on in that kind of tradition, since that's how he broke into the business too. So. You know, it was but, by mean, appearing on Johnny Johnny Carson. Leno did too, though, right? I mean, Leno. Yeah, I don't think Leno. I don't think Leno much cared about other people. Though, though to be fair, I'd say <laughs> Leno really made his bones by being on Letterman's show. Oh yeah, and yeah. That's where that's where he became the hot comic. Yeah. Oh, for uh, sure. Whereas I don't think Leno had like the the, the first incredibly hot set. Yeah. And then you know the his life was changed, a la Drew Carey or Roseanne Barr. Yeah, or yeah. Whoever. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, uh, yeah, it's it's it's, it's a thing. Yeah, it's a weird. <laughs> Leno's a weird one. Leno's a weird one. You just go like, what do you, what are you hungry for, man? <laughs> what did you? What was it? What was it? What was your goal? Like, did you get it? Did you get what you wanted? Are you okay? What do you What do you want? What was it? What's going on? How are you? Yeah, it's just strange. And I do think it's significant that Letterman has started up his own interview show. Yeah. On Netflix, you know. So obviously, you know, and I always kind of thought. Growing up and watching David Letterman, I always thought that to him, the interviews were the boring part of the show. And what was really great was throwing watermelon off a building or, or you know, doing tricks, the stupid pet tricks and stuff like that. But oh, there's a guy with a ranch, I think. I think he's got a ranch. I, in, in, uh, I don't know if he has a ranch because he lives, doesn't he live in Connecticut or something or did he move from there? No, no, no. He always seems to be on a big tract of land. <laughs> well, I'm sure he has some property. Right. Okay. But, but um, I don't know if you can have a ranch in Connecticut is what I'm saying. But uh, what was I saying about him? Oh, yeah. I just think that I just think it's interesting that it's turned out that no, no, he liked the interview part too, and that he want he obviously missed that after he retired, and you know went about creating a show where he could go back into interviewing people and in a slightly different way, in a slightly more um, what's the word I'm looking for? A slightly more personal way, like not not that kind of big impersonal big TV show situation where that someone comes on to promote a book and you t- right, it's a or TV or whatever, I- yeah. I like the gimmick that uh, the audience won't know who's going to be interviewed until the show. I didn't know that was a gimmick. Yeah, that's a gimmick. Okay. So, you know, it's like, uh, here he is, and then uh, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, we didn't know who's going to be that person. So that's, that's yeah. key. Which is also smart, because then if, say, you have a huge Chappelle 
fan. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're going to be like, ah, I can't wait for show. And then they <laughs> will react differently than a random person who's watching yeah. this interview. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, uh, Letterman has 180, uh, sorry, 108 acre estate that he lives on. Ah, uh, yes. An estate. In uh, yeah. North Salem, New, New York. Oh, in New York. So he's in upper, upstate New York. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I, I seem to remember him living in Connecticut because there was a lot of jokes about him having speeding tickets from driving from his house in Connecticut into New York City okay. when he was younger doing the late doing the late night show. That was one of the yeah. r- running gag part of, you know, that slight glimpse into his life because he wasn't a person that really shared about himself that much. Oh, that guy. <laughs> but that anyway. fella. You know, it feels like, yeah, he does want to talk to people. He's He's gone through a couple of different phases. He's, yeah... You know, and so this is the phases in now. Know, and yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, you know, he's a pretty big name within a certain demographic. And so he has a kind of built-in audience. And it's interesting that he's using that to, like, talk to someone like Lizzo or something like that, where, you know, you're just kind of yeah. like, what? Well, it's a weird... But he obviously really likes her. And, you know, and it's, kind of, and it's kind of fun. Like, this season is different because it's not a stage... It's not presented on the stage very often. It's most, like, the Lizzo one is just him in her house. And, she like, she makes him rap. And it's it's kind of fun, right? Like... It's her having some, her showing what she does and just hanging around her house. And and then just in general, it feels like he's not as much of a jerk anymore. Like he's open to stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, more, yeah. He's more kind yeah. I think, I think being, probably being a parent, you know, was part, was part of that. Oh yeah, I imagine that's part of it for sure. It just opens your heart a little bit more. Sure, or just a- aging uh, does then, too, you know. Yeah, and also, you know, you're called on your bullshit and the big scandal, <laughs> scandal. That's rough. And you got to basically humble yourself. Sure. And go like, yeah, yeah. I'm, bleh, that was that was shitty. I was a shitty human. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he, he did it right before it kind of would end your everything. You know, kind of. Na- it's weird that to me that people don't see that, what he did. Yeah, yeah. And kind of coming forth with everything. Yeah. And then just like going like, oh, that would be the way to do it. That's how you do it. And it's like, no, I'm just going to, I'm going to, no, I'm not going to do that. It's like, ah, well, then, then, yeah, well, bye. That's the end of you, Louis C.K. Bye. What do you mean? Sorry, what's the way to end it? To apologize or to? Yeah, to be completely open about it. Yeah, yeah. And just go like, you'll, like, the way he did it was like, and again, I don't know if he did enough. Uh, and I'd have to hear from the people that, you know, sure, sure, he sure. Was, you know, who's involved because they, they matter more than him on this, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah. but in terms of how he personally handled it. Yeah. It was going like, you're going to mm-hmm. hear that I've done these things. Yeah. And instead of doing that, I didn't do these things. It was like, I did them all. Yeah. I did all this and I was a, I was yeah. a creep and I did this and I abused my power and I'm, you know, I, uh, you know, I have to, I apologize to my wife for what I put up, you know, she deserves way better than this. And, uh, and yeah, it just was like, it was, it felt like the apology was a real apology, whether you accept it or not, it was up to you. Yeah. But yeah. like, it felt like this is a sincere apology. There was not a, but, uh, there was not <laughs> a, I was going through something at the time. I'm sorry if what I did offended you. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a, yeah, there was no, there was no, the circumstances were, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I grew up in a time when um, I didn't understand that uh, it wasn't any of that. It was like, no, what I did was wrong, and I hurt people, and mm-hmm. uh, this is what I did. And now, it, and it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, uh, please don't fire me or whatever. It was like, it's now basically up to you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll mm-hmm. tell you, I'll tell you what it is. And it's like, yeah, you know, honestly, like if if more people would just go mm, out with that, <laughs> yeah. The nice thing too is the people that you've hurt get the get at least a bit of the satisfaction of hearing you 
admitting it and they're not living in this gaslit state. Yeah, of, yeah. Like I yeah. can't tell anyone what happened to me because no one's going to believe me or think mm -hmm. I'm in this for the money or what have you or yeah. for a career thing. Yeah. So yeah, it's like it worked for him. Huh? <laughs> How about, you know, learn from that, you dopes, but, you know, well, they're dopes, so. Yeah, it, apologizing, uh, sincerely apologizing tends to work. Insincerely apologizing, it isn't so helpful, but uh, mm -hmm. sincere apologies are, are useful. And if you believe that apologies are weakness, well, <laughs> enjoy your life, you sociopathic douche. Hmm. Uh, but those people do exist, and how about you know. how about people dying of a disease as a personal insult to you? How's that rate on that? Yeah, yeah. it's it's really interesting. You know, <laughs> four hundred thousand people dying, and you're making it about you. Like that's wow. That's oh, yeah. That is really something. Yes. Everything everything in the world is a personal insult to you. <laughs> oh my god, that's uh, that it has to go through the filter of you. That's so. That's so amazing. I just bring that up because I saw a little bit of of Dr. Fauci, the American uh, doctor who's been was working with Trump, the Trump administration through the COVID crisis, and I guess he's now with Biden. And he just even just saw him doing an interview like today or something, and it just looked like the weight of the world had been lifted off his shoulders. He still has like a all this COVID stuff to deal with, but just the fact that he has like a cooperative situation where he can work through it without having to like pussyfoot around or nod his head sagely while someone spouts off complete inanities is uh well this morning uh, apparently they, the, uh, they revealed what the plan was with uh you know with the with the trump administration about COVID. no plan and, uh, yeah that was it <laughs> no plan that was it like they literally went oh it must be just a plan that they haven't done yet yeah yeah and this is like, this is the rollout for the vaccine. It's not the COVID. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that, we already knew that was a shit show. No, this is a whole right, the whole right. different shit show. Yeah, and it's like what? Do you, what is it? Yeah. Nothing. What? Nothing. <laughs> like nothing. No rollout plans. What the? What? What? Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You, you just open, like a, who get who gets them out. first? We don't know. Yeah, you like, open the drawer with the plan, and, and mm. the moth comes out, and then the moth coughs and dies. Yeah, and it's like, whoa, that's not a good sign. Um, yeah, it's it's just fucking amazing. But you're gonna see, you know, this. It was like, yeah. It, there was a con man in there. Mm. There was a snake oil salesman. Mm -hmm. And the more that you go like, oh, what was this about? That oh, was a con. How about this? Also a con. And this? Okay. I, look, it's it's like cons all the way down, brother. That's the way it is. It's like, <laughs> it's, they're all, they may look like turtles, but look inside <laughs> the shell. There's nothing in there. Yeah. There's no pee. Um, <laughs> well, maybe there's some pee when you involve this guy. Uh, yeah. It's just like, oh, it's just an uh, un. Unbelievable! You got so, yeah. Now you got someone in there who's like just doing the basics, mm. the basics, and it's like oh, this is such a fucking relief. It's like it's like the fire's not out, but you're not living with an arsonist. So it's <laughs> like okay, I know the house is still on fire though. I, I acknowledge the house is still on fire. We're all in a lot of danger. Yeah, but you know, Matchy Malone is yeah. not. Uh, it's not uh, still here. Oh yes, my Lord. please be careful down there, everyone. Yeah. Yeah, we love you guys. Uh, stay, stay very, very safe. Uh, please, please. Yeah, please, please, even please. even though it feels like, oh, we're out of the woods. No, no, not for a while yet. So. Yeah, even people that are out of the woods in the states, uh, <laughs> the woods are on fire. <laughs> I wish I wish that was a metaphor. <laughs> we're also dealing with that uh, every so often. They got out of the woods into a different bunch of woods. Oh my God, the woods are on fire. <laughs> like, oh. I mean, here in British Columbia, you know, we've had. A careful and a carefully constructed plan of, you know, so the first group of people to get the get the 
vaccine was like Mary, Mary, like people working in in the Mary. care homes. She was the only one who got it first. That's like, it. First person. Was, who gets it? Mary. <laughs> Mary. Why? Well, we're big fans of the Seeky Dragon listening party. Yeah. Well, that was it. Uh, her dad as well. Yeah. Eh, we're not eh, so much. What a yucky jerk. But no, the yeah, Mary's funny. She's got a lot of charm. <laughs> Sorry, go, go ahead. <laughs> well, the, when it's true, it's true. I can't argue. Um, no, I just, you know, just the fact that he, they've thought it all out, you know, to get to the, the, the work at care workers and then to the actual elderly. And, you know, and there was, I mean, there was a bit of a hiccup in the plan this because um, I guess Pfizer's plant has been shut down for some upgrades or something, something like that. So they've ceased production of the vaccine. Perfect timing, by the way. But they ceased production of the vaccine. So the original plan for BC was for us to continue to vaccinate people. And then when the new and kind of stretch out as far as possible, the second dose so that as many people as possible have the initial first dose so that, you know, we could have as much as many people vaccinated as possible, but that's not going to be possible because of the fact that Pfizer had to shut down. So that's reduced, seriously reduced our, our level of vaccines. So they've had to retrench on that one. And, and, and now they're going to be doing the booster shots for the care workers uh, okay. so, so that they don't fall outside of the, the safe time between shots. And uh, yeah, a bit of a setback, but oh well, that's, that's a pandemic for you. Yeah. I am. I have been checking some of the message boards on Facebook and apparently it's just a hoax anyway, so don't worry about it. Oh, thank God. Uh, I was a little a, worried. It's, it's a plandemic and, mm, plandemic. Uh, and so on and so forth. Love that. Love yeah. that one. I have, mixed, I have mixed feelings about this thing that's going on right now. Whereas uh, the, the theater that I do, a critical hit show, yeah, um, was, was shut because theaters are shut. Yeah. But bars are open. Yes. And, and restaurants. So they are now opening again. Yeah. But calling themselves a sports bar. Yeah. And so they're going to have like UFC on the sure. screen. Hockey. And like, I, like on, okay, their logical argument, which I got to give them, is that uh, uh, there's been no transmissions, recorded transmissions uh, at a theater in yeah. North America. Sure. At all. And so I was like, okay, that is a, that is a fair argument. Yeah. Uh, my feeling is, you know, with the, the new strain, it's like 70%, you know, more contagious and all this. It's just like, well, let's just still lock her all down for a bit. You know, let's say like I'm more pro the lockdown, even though it's not a lockdown. I mean, just as in like, you know, I'd rather go with shutting the bars rather than opening the theaters. Um, but uh, but they're there for this. And uh, there we are. My, my yeah. other like kind of beef on it is like it's really attracted the anti-maskers and uh, – this is all the hoaxers, mm. so they like kind of hanging around that space now. Yeah, and, okay, yeah. So that's too bad. Like, that's too bad. For, like, I mean, that's not the what they're trying is, to do. But the argument yeah. is valid, mm. uh, but it's attracting jerks. Yeah, and yeah. I'm still uh, on the uh, let's just err on the side of caution, but uh, I can understand where they're coming from and not wanting to go bankrupt. I understand that as well. Well, that's it because they're not getting the rent protection that other yeah. businesses are getting too. So it's a uh, Sucks, sucks for theaters because they're not getting the support from the government that that other businesses are getting, and and also they're being being closed for reasons that aren't entire that aren't their own fault. That just they I think the problem for them is they they fall under the same licensing structure as banqueting halls and places like that that have been shut down and have been major problems in terms of spread because banqueting halls are places where families gather in on mass, and so what those have been like major 
uh, super spreader areas in, in here in the Lower Mainland, which is why we've had like specific regions in the Lower Mainland have had huge amounts of, of have had the highest rate of, of infection. Because it's basically this like, you know, those areas are where it's been most prevalent in, in terms of these sort of, uh, you know, meeting places and stuff. But it's, but I think because of, you know, so I'm, I'm assuming that's what's happening with movie theaters because they obviously don't fall under the same rubric as as restaurants who and bars who are allowed to be open. And mm-hmm. obviously have a very powerful lobby anyway, much more powerful than movie theaters would have just because there's way more restaurants than there are movie theaters. So they're going to have a lot of sway with the government in terms of, of uh, I mean, apparently they've been having... The Dr. Bonnie Henry has been uh, consulting with restaurants throughout this throughout this time period, but has not met with anyone from the theater industry. Yeah, I know they've been trying to contact her. And so that's that seems that. unfair as well. That you're, you know, you know, I, I know it's politics, and that's one of the driving forces in in, in what's happening. And that's a but that's a problem though, right? We were talking about this a while ago, where if you are applying your rules um, unfairly. It creates an impression that it's arbitrary, and it creates an impression that it's not real. Because if something is as arbitrary and doesn't make sense to people, then it starts to take on the feeling that it's just fake, which is why this is attracting people from this from the fake side of things. Right. Because they're looking at this and they're saying, you know, well, this is the problem because it's it, there's no sense to it. Everything they're doing, they're just doing arbitrarily, and this is an example of the arbitrariness of it. And because it's so arbitrary, it's obviously fake. Rather than just saying, well, this is the government, you know, it's just people. One A, it's just people, so it's going to have an element of disorganization to it anyway. But also, it's government, so it's going to have an element of corruption to it as well. And that's mm-hmm. just the nature of government, is that it's going to be A, corrupt, and also disorganized. And so there's going to be elements of organization, but they're always going to be hampered by human error and by our, you know, our weakness to say no to huge amounts of cash that are given to us in a package that is left in an unmarked spot under our car. But anyway, mm-hmm. the, you know, that's just, that's just a factor of politics. You know, it's funny. I, this is a completely off the topic, but yeah, yeah, this is outrageous to me a little while ago. I guess the citizens group in Langley, where I live in the township of Langley took the city council or the township council, I should say to court charging them as saying that what they were doing was illegal because they've been, they are taking money from developers and then voting on developments that involve these developers. And they're saying, this is a conflict of interest. You can't be taking money from people who are, you know, trying to get something built and then vote on the thing they're trying to get built. That's not fair. That's, you know, obviously you have a conflict. If you're taking a, you know $10,000 from someone, you're going to vote for what they're, they're want, they want done. Now, this went to court and the judge said, no, it's not illegal. Count, city council or township council can take money from developers and vote on the developments. And to be fair to the judge, he was basing his decision on existing BC laws on municipal rules. Mm-hmm. So really the change has to come from the government. Like, so the BC legislature has to change the, how the municipal act, the municipality act works in order to make, make this change. But what's the incentive for them? They are also in the pockets of developers. So they're not going to make any, they're not going to rush to change things. So it's just, you know, that's just the nature of politics, right? It's, it's just a, a, a game that not everyone wins. Just a few people win and they win really big. The rest of us can go, go to hell, but it's a, uh, yeah, it's a bit frustrating. And I think that's, you know, but what's more frustrating to me with like the, the COVID thing is that it just leaves the government, and pe- people of good faith open to cri- this kind of criticism because it's hard to defend. Why yeah. is the, why is the Rio shut down? 
you know, give us a real concrete reason why a theater and or a theater chain that have had no incidents of out, of outbreak have, have had no problems with contagion have followed all the rules that were set down for them. You know, have take your name and number when you come there. Everyone's wearing masks. Every everything is behind glass. All the things that you ask for. We have everyone at you know set distances in the theater. You know, we are taking a huge hit because we are leaving, you know, hundreds of seats unoccupied in order to make this possible. And then you're closing us down anyway. Like, what What does this mean? Like, what are we doing wrong? You know, so it's just a real... Yeah. What real I feel problem. It, it really is, is, you know, again, saying that this is my, I'll tell my head pain. It's like, we've got a disease <laughs> that's spreading like crazy. Sure. Okay. And where the numbers are the high, I think they're still the, the highest they've ever been right now. They've gone. It's gone down here, and it's gone down in the last couple of weeks for us. Okay, it's gone for the down first time we've fallen. We've fallen under two thousand. Okay, that's good. I'm glad to. I'm glad to. Yeah, that. I was just listening but on the news today. So. Recently, it was the highest numbers they've mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for a disease that grows exponentially. Yeah. So, uh, okay, we got to do something now. Ideally, you go like we close everything, but yeah. you know that there is a tipping point. Whereas, if you close too many things the public will rebel against it and say no. <laughs> yeah. And so you've got to just close enough things. Mm-hmm. You've got, you got to be as safe as possible. You yeah. should close almost all the things. Yes, sure. you should do that. That is the ideal. And then we will save lives and be fine. Mm-hmm. But people won't take it. So you got to deal with the psychology <laughs> of like, oh, Jesus, what do you do? And you go like, well, people, I mean, realistically, people, when you shut their bars down, will lose their fucking minds. And yeah. they will go, no, and then you know, you've lost everything because they, they got the big wave of rebellion and you get stupid fuckheads, you know, swarming the streets and like we're going to have a an anti-mask parade or some shit. Uh, but like you can get away with shutting the theaters down and it's going to be not good for the people who run in the theaters, yep. but at least you've shut more stuff down mm-hmm. and shut more stuff down is probably better yeah you just want to shut as much stuff as possible so yeah that i mean the real the real thing is you know it's someone going it's not fair and them going we know <laughs> we know but that's like with kids that's not the answer that you can give them yeah it's like well my brother got more than me i know <laughs> yeah that's what it is i wish i could give all of you nothing but he's a bigger <laughs> pain in my ass so he gets a thing should i be a pain in your ass well, I don't want to let you know that, but yeah. But by the way, I am probably giving him poison. So, you know, you might not want it if you were sensible. You know, but so they, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I just think, I, I, I just don't blame them for doing what they want, what they can to survive. So No, again, I under I understand it. I don't personally support it, but I understand it. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's my that's my mid-range thing. <laughs> uh, I've been I've been I'll just going to tell this quick story about today. Oh, please. Uh, I've been killer uh, agoraphobic lately. Uh, okay. you know with everything just, you know, every time you hear a story about, you know, whatever, it's just like, uh, you know what? We're just going to stay in. And I've got uh, some friends who just came down with okay. COVID as well. Sorry, you confused and, me. I just thought that was your wrestling name when you started the story. Yeah, but okay, so. it is my wrestling name. Okay. That's pretty uh, <laughs> What was my wrestling name? Killer Agoraphobic. Killer Agoraphobic. Yeah. That is what's my wrestling name. Yeah. You're right. Um, so I used to be Major Malaria. <laughs> and I would come in and I'd come into the ring doing this. But we hate him. We hate that mosquito. I'm stressed as a mosquito. I also worked on Live It Up. Anyway, that's a deep cut. Um, I'll say. 
Yeah, that's way, way too deep. Cut. Anyway, long, <laughs> long story short, it's impossible at this point. But I was like, I've got to start going out and getting in. Yeah. I've got to do it. So today I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. I'm going to fucking do it. I'm yeah. going to go have a healthy day. So, uh, there is, um, a track that's, uh, basically it's where the Beatles, uh, played when they were here in, uh, sure. in Vancouver. Empire uh, so there's, yeah, there's basically a track there now. So I was like, I'm going to go do a couple of laps on the track, just speed walking or what have you. So I go today, I walk down to it and it's like, you know what? I feel pretty good about this. This is good. Okay, it's good getting some air. This is nice and healthy. I love it. Uh, so I'm going around. And I'm feeling pretty good. And then uh, I get a soccer ball in my back. Someone kicks a soccer ball from inside because there's a soccer uh, space that's in there. That people yeah, are practicing. Yeah, yeah. And someone just like just kicks it super hard, goes over the fence, hits me square in the back, <laughs> knocks me down. Oh, no. I'm totally winded. Oh, no. Didn't expect it. I've got uh, earbuds in. They come flying out. Oh, no. And I was like, hey, man, you hey. I was like, that's like, that's like here, like, huh? I was like, oh, yeah, huh? And I'm like stunned, and I just get up and I start walking. I don't toss the ball back to them. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like winded. I'm trying to get my breath. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm doing the, I'm doing, I'm now doing the walk around. I'm just like, oh my back, Jesus Christ, what the fuck? And, so, and, and and the thing that I'm like really regretting now is like, oh, I should have said something at the time. Yeah. Now I'm gonna go all the way around. I'm gonna run into this guy again, and we're gonna have to have a conversation. Yeah. Um, and that's the worst part is the sure. dread of just like, yeah. I'm going to have to hear their apology. Yeah. It might come up to me. <laughs> I just don't want, oh, what is this? So anyway, yeah, I had to go around. And did they come up the to you or did they, did yeah, they yeah, give yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, of course they did. They uh -huh. kicked me in the back with a soccer ball and knocked me down. Of course they did. So, uh, so no, I just was like, it's fine. It's all 100% fine. <laughs> While my mask is on, I'm just like, you know, stay where you fucking are. Um, <laughs> was he wearing a mask or? Uh, no, he wasn't. Oh, shit. Yeah. Come on, people. So, uh, Come on, very people. Very healthy individual, breathing heavily that I didn't want to be around. <laughs> I, I, and that would have been the dumbest way. It's just like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna finally go out and get some fresh air, and then I get killed, not by <laughs> hit by a soccer ball in the back, but like the guy apologizing to me for being hit by the soccer ball. Death by apology would be too Canadian a way to go. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So I'm still feeling. I feel this round hit that's on my back. Still, it was it was good. It was, yeah, jeez, I must have he must have really really given it a good boot. It was like a very cartoon thing where like both yeah. the earbuds went flying out at the same time, like boom. <laughs> so sorry to laugh, but no, no, you know, I'm, I'm it's saying it for humor <laughs> It's one of those stories that you just can't help but uh, chuckle. Yeah, I would like, and then of course, you know, if that's what killed me. Then, you know, that would be my funeral. And, like, people were like, I oh, got hit by a soccer ball. And then someone would have to go, like, we call it football. I'm like, yeah, we know you do. Now's not the time to have to bring that up. And just like, it is traditionally football. Can we, can we please just call it football? Who invited this guy? <laughs> now, we have a different football here. Listen. Yeah. Every time there's a football-related death, I come <laughs> to correct people. That's my job. I am the football crasher. <laughs> he was hit by a soccer ball. Football! <laughs> Man walking on track, hit by football. You know, you're probably walking on the track that was once trod upon by Dr. Roger Bannister and that other person. Who was Dr. Roger Bannister? You know, the four-minute mile or whatever where they, he and... An, I think the British doctor, doctor was he Roger Bannister, or was he Australian? Well, anyway, one guy was Australian, one guy was British, and they had like a, a foot race, 
to run the four minute mile or something like that. Ah. And I think, and Bannister won because the other guy who was winning turned to look <laughs> at the end of the race and lost and and lost a, a pace, and then Bannister yeah. uh, was able to able to go by him. Well, this is as good as a mile. <laughs> Apparently, that's what they say. Yeah, that's there's there's say. a there's a statue of 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 him or them outside of uh, outside of the P and E grounds. Oh, nice. Okay. I think by All the right. I think by the on the Coliseum side. All right. I will look for it next time. I know where the Columbus statue is. There's a Columbus statue like, there. Still, this is still here, huh? All right, good for you. Uh, well, uh, you know that Columbus statue. That area was. It's weird, but that area was was very, very heavily Italian at one point. So, and and that's usually what Columbus is uh, celebrating, not yeah. not the arrival in Haiti, but or Cuba, <laughs> but his arrival, yeah. but his connection to the Italian uh, people, and it's some. Uh, they, you'd think they could find someone else to. To celebrate, but I guess I guess he's somehow connected somewhat closely to North America in some way that it all works. But all I'm saying is, if you want a Christopher Columbus statue, yeah, just wait it out. That thing's coming down at some point, and then make an offer on it when it gets. Uh, taken down. <laughs> it's coming down. Yeah, it's coming down at some point. Like that thing, just you just go tick 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 tick. Or or just uh, slightly arrange the face a little differently, and then just put director of Mrs. Doubtfire down below. And everyone will just be like, oh, okay. It was so weird that you said that. Is it? Because, yes, because yeah. the first thing I was thinking of discussing with you uh, on this ep- on the show, and I got completely distracted, and also because yeah. it was stupid, <laughs> was uh, someone did a little um, uh, Photoshop touch-up of a picture of Donald Trump dressed kind of as Mrs. Doubtfire <laughs> and saying, like, I don't trust this new housekeeper at the White House. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's, pretty funny that's good. That's a good one. But it, it made me think of something that I've wanted, always wanted to do, and there's absolutely no way of really doing it, yeah. uh, especially now. But like uh, to do a version of Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay. But, but yep. you, use the cl- you use Mrs. Doubtfire, like the movie Mrs. Doubtfire. Sure. What you see in this is Sally Field and the children, and no one is fooled by Robin Williams at all. But they're terrified that he will snap and kill them all. So when they see him coming, it's just like, children, pretend like it's a lady. Just pretend like it is. And just and every time like he leaves the room, they're just sweating and they're terrified. <laughs> and they're like, we've got to run. We can't run. He'll find us wherever we are. We've got to just play this out. and it, it, it'll, it'll make it, – we're going to get through this. But like you've got to pretend. It's clearly dad. Of course it's clearly dad. He's insane. He's lost his mind. He's wearing a lady's skin or he's wearing makeup. We don't know what it is. Until we do, play along. And they're just horrified. And so it's this terrified family just playing along with this uh, Mrs. Doubtfire through it. That's my idea for a little skit. I, I like it. Thanks. I like it very much. I've never seen that movie, to be honest with you. I didn't even, I didn't even know that Sally Field was in it. Yeah, she is uh, She is uh, the mum as, as she was during that time for everything. And Pierce Brosnan. I was going to say, Pierce Brosnan's the dad, right? And he gets hit in the head, I think, with an apple or some fruit where they throw a fruit at his head. Yeah. And it hits him in the back of the head. Now, after being hit by a football, <laughs> I don't find this as funny. But at the time, I was like, that was a good effect. Like, they really look like they really clop him in the noodle. <laughs> so so you, you're equating that with getting hit by a soccer ball? You know, it's just like, Dave, I've been through some stuff today. Mm-hmm. I was hit by, and again, Dave, football. Um, <laughs> 
Oh, I thought it was F-U-T-B-O-L, like the Spanish. You know what? However you play. You know, okay. There's no, I know you can spell it with wingdings if you want. <laughs> well, really, thanks. You know, there's, no, there's, no wrong, there's no wrong answer. Well, I think wingdings is the wrong answer, but okay. Fair enough. Hey, by the way, how, do you, how are you liking the, uh, now there's two episodes, how do you like the Creatures Great and Small, the new one? Um, yeah, that's I'm a little bit like that, too. I think it's nice looking. Yeah. But uh, you know, yeah. I feel I'm like, like yeah, it's. I think I feel like it's really veering away. I mean, okay. I know you don't care about this stuff, but I, I always, I know when I see something like that, I want, I want to see the book. I want to see the book. Like I love the book, and I want, okay. I want to see people like perform the book for me. Okay. And that's what I want. I don't want them to take the book and go. We really like the book. Let's let's go off on a kind of fantasia of the book, like some fan fiction. How are they changing the book? Well. I mean, I haven't read it for a long time, so I, I could be wrong. But I feel like there's no sequence where he buys just in a car from someone. I don't remember okay. that in the book. Just I definitely don't. Helen and enter into it uh, very quickly. Helen and James don't meet. Don't meet the way that they do in the story, as I remember. She she stumbles upon he. She meets when he's dead drunk. That's their first encounter with each other. Okay, like he's absolutely like like you know he's just completely out of it. Um. And then, you know, I know they have to update it. So now she runs a farm. That's whatever, fine. But, you know, obviously that, that would not have happened in those days. And I also think it's kind of amusing that they always have to have the farmer and his wife in every sequence. So it's, you know, like, so the, it's not like she's inside cooking or doing housework. So she has to be like be hanging around outside the barn with the husband while they stare at, stare at James doing. So it's not just one person looking at him with disapproval. It's two people. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't know what he's doing. Poor lad. I, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I, I kind of feel like I'm going to re- reread the first couple of chapters of, of the book. And then I'll, and then I'll, I'm going to come back with a different, uh, report. Okay. Fair enough. Report. Um, and then let me ask you, you know, because we need our, uh, we need our segment that's our now reoccurring segment about yeah. Dark Shadows. Dark okay. Shadows. Yeah, I don't remember what it was called. Well, I was thinking about this. You know what? We've had Deck Talk. Yeah. We've had Chick Talk. Yeah. Why not just Dark Talk? Dark Talk sounds good. So yeah, it's hard to say, a, apparently. Take a, take a bite out of the show. All right. <laughs> so it's Dark, it's dark Talk. Yeah. Uh, so this week, Dave, of course, is uh, catching up now on the old... Soap opera, Dark Shadows. Let's not say Barnes soap opera. Stuff. Let's not say soap opera, everyone. Let's say it was a soap opera. It's not a soap opera. It's a, it's it a, was a soap it's opera. It's a continuing story. It's a continuing no, story. No, it was a soap opera. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I didn't. It's I haven't seen any soap, soap in it. Before. No, no. There's no, no soap no, in it, no. and no one has been singing. No, 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 no. It's a soap opera. Okay, go ahead. All right, all right. If you want to start with that lie, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so I've been watching this soap opera, and um, of course, as we all know, it, this is a gothic horror soap opera which is what i find interesting about it like i'm not going to waste my time on the guiding light or something like that no no this show is fascinating to me because it's a show like a soap opera that ran every day for half an hour a day for for six years and at the center of the show is a vampire i just think that's crazy but okay so we left off by the way, I've, I, I'm really upset at all your guiding light bashing, but go ahead. <laughs> so Maggie, when we last saw Maggie, the artist's daughter Maggie, she was locked in a cell in, in Barnabas's house because Barnabas is trying to change her into 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 his uh, long-lost love, whose name is now <laughs> Josette, Josette Collins, okay. who was married to another man, but he still loved her. And uh, we know that Josette was a suicide. We're not exactly sure why, but we we know this part of her story. And so he's trying to recreate this long lost love 
in Maggie. So Maggie is in a cell and she is there. And, but now remember I said, I hope that she gets visited by the ghost of Josette, who's going to help her. Right. Because that's been established at some earlier point in the show that I've not seen, that there is a ghost of Josette. But no, she wasn't. She was visited by a different ghost, a young girl named Sarah, who it turns out was the sister of Barnabas, who died at the age of 11. And so she helps Maggie. So Maggie's in the cell and she can't get out. And and Sarah appears a few times. Then she appears and she says, I can't tell you how to get out, but I can tell you, a cl- I can give you a riddle. And if you can solve it, you will find your way out of here. And oh, so she okay. tells her this riddle and Maggie's able to solve it. And she finds a secret door that leads into this sort of tunnel s- section of wherever. And she ends up out on the beach. But Sarah has gone to Maggie's dad, appeared to him as a little girl, of course, and told him that if he wants to find Maggie, he has to be at this beach at this time and Maggie will be there. And so she arranges this meet, this escape and meeting, and she saves Maggie. So that's pretty exciting. So then they pretend that Maggie's dead, because they don't want who's ever done this to her to know that she's still alive. So she's, you know, she's in shock, and she's like found unconscious by her dad on the beach. And uh, Barnabas was going to kill her, but he's scared off by the approach of, of her dad. And so he creeps away. And so then... The dad takes Maggie and they take her to the hospital, but then they decide they'll pretend she's dead, the doctor and stuff. And so she gets sent to this uh, clinic run by this doctor named Julia Hoffman. And and so she starts to, you know, she starts to, to look look after Maggie. Now she has theories and we don't really know what her theories are, but she's being very secretive. And then she, she turns up. Now, the other story I was talking about was Elizabeth uh, Colin Stoddard, the, the matriarch of the family, played by Joan Bennett. She was being blackmailed by Jason McGuire to marry him because he knew that she had killed, he knew that she had killed her husband and he aided her by burying him in the basement. And so she's been living for 18 years in the house, never leaving it with the fear that someone was going to go into the basement and discover this secret. So she's just been like trapped in her house for 18 years. She's trapped by this man. She's paid this man blackmail money throughout her life. And now he's forcing, he's forcing her to marry him. And her daughter, of course, as I mentioned, was acting up, going out with bikers and stuff like that. But the day of the wedding, she uh, is in the, almost about to say her, you know, say, say her vows, say her I do's. And she breaks down and she confesses to having killed her husband. And that was why she's marrying Maguire and blah, blah, blah. Maguire escapes into the woods. And then the sheriff... And another character from the show, this guy named Burke, they go downstairs and they start digging in the basement to dig out the body of, 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 the, of the husband. And it turns out there's no husband there. They faked, oh. it, they faked his death and he left. And McGuire has just been using this as, as leverage over uh, her, this Elizabeth throughout for 18 years. And she's been trapped in her house, you know, in this, because of this whole thing. And it just turns out to be a complete lie. So, uh, so that was pretty exciting. And then the, the new exciting part of the show is that this doctor, Julia Hoffman, begins to suspect what's up with Maggie. And she starts oh, okay. she she pretends to be a historian and goes to to the Collins and kind of insinuates herself into Barnabas's orbit, and then she discovers that he is a vampire. But she doesn't report him. She wants to experiment on him. And so she she pretty much sacrifices Maggie. Because Maggie, Maggie then escapes from the clinic with the help of Sarah again. Sarah shows up and helps her escape from the clinic. But then she intervenes and she kind of, you know, this is a soap opera, so she's able to hypnotize her into forgetting all about Barnabas and create some sort of block. So she can remember her, 
she can remember everything from her her past, but she cannot remember what happened in this space of time when she was the prisoner of Barnabas. Mm. And this is soap opera logic, of course. Yeah. And then the other exciting development of the show was that episode season three, episode five, first show in color. So that was kind of interesting to suddenly see like everyone's eye color and hair color and what what their dresses colors were that I was only seeing in black and white before. Uh, it's been it's alternating so far. It seems to be like one show in very very it, the color when the color ones look look terrible. They actually look worse than the black and white ones in terms of like quality of picture. But because um, the show interesting the sh- the show was done live. It was done live to tape. So when like, like on the day. Or? Yeah, it was done on the day of. Performed oh, wow. live, performed completely live on stage. Like why? Dis- why would that? Because they just needed to just get her done, quick and quick and ugly, right? Just like the same as the same as like uh, the soap opera in Tootsie's live to tape, right? That's why. No, they only have one episode that was live. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought it was. And, it made, and everyone who like ever watches that, you know, who knows anything about soap operas, just goes, mm. "What?" <laughs> okay. Yeah, no. This this show was done. This show was done live to tape. Yeah. Yeah, it's like to me, it would make sense to shoot. You know, again. It would, would would make sense to shoot them all in like two days, and then you get the rest of the time off. Mm. You know, and just kind of break it up. But okay, go ahead, live. All right. Oh no, maybe they did. Maybe they did it for a week. But because, like I say, it's just live to tape. Though there's no there's no uh, editing. Yeah. Uh, it's all the editing is done in camera. Like, did they so, ever do any line flubs or anything? Yeah, all the time, see? all the time. Huh? Yeah. Some actors worse than others, and you okay. can see often they'll forget a line. Sometimes they'll be like. They'll kind of stumble to get it, but they they keep in character. Like they're really good at like staying in character and keeping. And even when they make a mistake, even the kids when they make a mistake will just kind of you know just carry on. They don't go oh <laughs> or anything like that. They just they're professionals and they just keep on acting. You know, so all right, that's really it's it's interesting to watch. And then they haven't done too much so far, but they had an effect where where the doctor Julia Hoffman is is talking to Barnabas and she uses her compact to look at him and she can see that he's not in she's not reflected in the in the mirror of the compact and they did that they had an in camera effect where they had one camera looking at the candelabra behind Barnabas uh you know without anyone there and then they superimposed it onto the compact that she's holding in her hand so they did that in camera on the day of shooting so that's kind of impressive i'm i'm kind of curious to see what what else they do with with these sort of effects Oh, that is neat. It is interesting, yeah. And then, um, <clears throat> I guess, oops, I guess because I was looking up some information about the show, because I was just kind of curious about the beginnings of the show and stuff like that, and how it started. Right. Um, I I got this recommendation on YouTube because you know it's all connected in your, you know, everything you do is connected by Google. So it's kind of like, oh, you were looking up Dark Shadows. Perhaps you would like this video about Grayson Hall. Mm-hmm. And it, so Grayson Hall is the actress who played. Who played Julia Ho- plays Julia Hoffman in the show, and I was, and it was called the life and sad ending of Grayson Hall, and I was like, oh, I'm kind of curious who this person is, mostly because I was, she looks really familiar to me, and the whole time I'm like, I know who this actress is. Where have I seen her before? She's kind of a common face. She's kind of long faced, um, kind of would, often would play like a school marm or okay. or a kind of a officious bureaucrat kind of a person you know what i mean like this has that kind of very clipped very kind of uh bossy kind of attitude you know and she's so she's good as a doctor right because she's she's lording it you know she's like you know she's not letting the family doctor of of the of maggie's family she's not like giving them information and she's you know she's just because she's you know she's just being very very formidable very formidable person so so it turns out that um she was in a movie i love night of the iguana the john uh john houston film 
based, I think, on a Tennessee Williams uh, play with Richard Burton and okay. Ava Gardner. But she, Grayson Hall, plays his nemesis in the movie, this very uptight, upright woman who he's supposed to be like a tour guide, but he's like a kind of dissolute priest, I think, or something like that, or minister. Yeah, a minister, I guess I would say, a minister, not a priest. He's kind of this, you know, kind of ex-alcoholic or currently alcoholic or on the verge of alcoholic uh, minister who's running these kind of half-assed tours in Mexico. And she's this woman on the tour who's very disappointed in, in what's happening and isn't shy about saying it. And uh, and she does a great job in this performance, right? And so I just, I've always remembered her from that. And so I was watching the show and I was just like, oh, this is so familiar. So I started watching this YouTube video and, okay, Life and sad ending. So yeah, you get her life. You know, t- tells about she was born. Uh, Grayson Hall was born. I think she was born like her name was Hoffman or something like that. And she changed it to Grayson Hall in the fifties. She was a, a theater. She was a theater actor, which they used a lot of on the show. I think because of the way it was filmed, it probably helped to have people who were used to being on stage, working and working because it was live. So it is you know you're not as uptight as a TV actor might be. More a little right. bit up, uptight about the idea that any mistakes, oh oh, they can't cut. But uh, so, but, and so then, you know, it tells about her life. She would, did the show. She was in the show for like, she did like 800 episodes of the show or something like that, or 400 episodes. Then she was in both of the movies. And then, um, and, and I was thinking, oh, that's really sad. Like you get on the show and then you never escape it. And then I was thinking, well, at the other time, there's other sense, you know, it's like a great gig. You're, you can live close to where you work. You're getting well paid and you just guaranteed a job for, for five years or whatever. It's pretty good. So, but then it's sad ending, right? So you're like waiting for, you're like, oh, she got killed by someone. She committed suicide. You know, she became a drug addict and overdosed. No, she died of lung cancer. I'm like, well, I mean, that's sad, but everyone's ending is sad. Like, if you're just going to say everyone, like, and I was looking at this like list for this channel and everything's like the life and sad ending of blank, the life and sad ending of blank, the life and sad ending of blank, the life. (laughs) It's like, okay, I guess I think, you know. I mean, obviously, it's not great to die of lung cancer, but you're going to die. So, to me, like, a tragic death is different. Like, if she had been, like, you know, finally she got the role of a lifetime, uh, and then she died. You're like, oh, that's sad. But not just, like, she lived her life and then she died. Like, yeah, that's that's life, you know? Mm-hmm. That's life. Life ends sadly. That's the unfortunate part of it, right? It starts off great, and then you, then it gets unhappy near the end. That's You just got to deal with that. But... You know, like to describe everyone's death as sad just feels like kind of, kind of a blanket statement. I'm just um, so I was looking at. It, I just kind of like I'm not going to watch any more of these dumb things. That's the way you're going to be about it. I've been uh, just on a, uh, the people who ended ended life uh, pretty good. Um, uh, I've I've been making just some recipes lately, and yeah. and so I, I kind of dug into my old James Barber books. Okay, Ur- no, yeah. he had a show called The Urban Peasant yeah, here yeah. in Canada. Real simple, uh, simple cooking, simple cooking. It's the kind of yeah. cooking that like. Dads look at the TV. Oh, I can do that. And, that. and I was like, uh, "That's what people oh, said." They said, "Hey, simple looking." What you got? Simple cooking. What you got simple cooking. <laughs> um, and so I was like, "I wonder how." I wonder how James Barber passed away because I was like on his page. Okay. And uh, and he passed away. Uh, he was making a pot of soup. Yeah. He was on the stove. Yeah. He was doing. A, uh, he was looking through a book. Okay. And uh, he just passed away from natural causes at his table while the uh, while the soup was simmering. Sure. So prob- like, probably a heart attack, and that that's the end, you know. Like. Yeah, someone like uh, in the book, it was like cilantro, and I don't blame him. Something some along those lines, but it was like, oh, that sounded that sounds all right. You know, you're just reading a, reading a book. You got some nice smells going because you got a nice pot of chicken sure, sure. cooking. 
and uh, there you, and then and then off you go. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, you know, it's it's not the greatest thing in the world that you have to die, but you know, like it's inevitable. Yeah, hopefully he didn't know about it. I just feel like, just like I, all of a sudden you end up like yeah. wherever you end up in the next life if there is one, and you're just like, hey, what's going on? It's like, okay, funny story. It's like, oh, my soup. <laughs> oh, I really want that soup. It's like, oh, we've got lots of soup here. Real good soup, too. I'm like, oh, yay, I'm in soup heaven. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just if I said to you, like, I was talking about someone, I said, yeah, they had a real sad ending. You're like, oh, yeah? I said, yeah, you know, he died of a heart attack when he was 88. And you go, well, I mean, it's sad, but 88, it's pretty good. And, yeah. You know. That's a happy ending. What, what happened? Well, he walked in on an orgy and the people in there beat him to death. <laughs> okay, that's sad. For interrupting them. That's, see, that's a sad ending. You oh, just described a sad, sad ending. That is an actual well, sad no, ending. Dave, Dave. Yeah, yeah. That was his fetish. So <laughs> still, that's how he wanted Still a sad ending. Still a sad ending. He wanted like ending. a room full of naked I... people uh, kicking him to death. That yeah, was yeah. how he wanted to <laughs> If you Okay, if you heard about a guy who always wanted to have sex with a donkey... It ends up getting kicked to death at 24 by a donkey when he tried to have sexual congress with it. You're not going to say, well, he had a happy ending. Well, no. it depends at what point <laughs> the donkey kicked him. Like, Good point. I, I stand corrected. I stand corrected. <laughs> oh. Oh, my stars. Um, I was looking up, uh, uh, you know, if, uh, if there was any other supernatural uh, soap operas. And there's been a couple. Edge of Night. Uh, Edge and I had some elements for mm-hmm. sure. There was a spinoff of General Hospital called Port Charles that uh, that was like the General Hospital folks, but yeah. uh, then demons and angels and all sorts of stuff. Sure, sure. Happened. I think inspired so, like, by Dark Shadows. Yeah, it, like they all happened around '97. All these ones, like oh '97. Yeah, '97 was Port Charles. Oh, that's weird. And '99, uh, uh, a soap opera that lasted ten years showed up. Called Passions. Are you familiar with Passions? No, I'm not. Not at all. Okay, Passions is a is about. I don't watch soap operas. Ian. It's about a uh, yeah. It's about a town, and you know they're going through the normal soap opera stuff. Yeah. But they conceit there, and then there are like angels and demons, and all sorts of stuff happens. <laughs> um, but the, the, the uh, breakout characters were uh, uh, Tabitha. Uh, I forget her last name, but like uh, and and this uh, doll that she had that was a boy that would uh, come to life and she was a witch and she would, um, you know, try to kill people in the town or she'd try to do some evil and, uh, and, and what have you. And so she was like the breakout star, her and the, and the, um, and the, and the, and the doll, yep. uh, later, unfortunately in one of those tragic actual deaths, the, um, the, the person playing the, the, the boy, uh, died, uh, where, you know, in odd circumstances in that, he died in the show and they were going to bring him back. And in the time where he died in the show, he died in real life. And so they abandoned that. And that was like how he died in the show. Um, oh, wow. But, yeah. Weird. Uh, but, but she was named Tabitha. Yeah. Okay. So people were like, is this in any way connected with Bewitched? And yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, it's yeah. not in any way connected with Bewitched. Well, anyway, then in a later episode, uh, uh, Tabitha gets hurt and Dr. Bombay shows up. From Bewitched, the doctor. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, the actor. Yeah. But not the character, Dr. Bombay. No, no. The character, Dr. Bombay, shows up from Bewitched. Well, what? And I... that's when you learn that uh, that uh, her parents were Samantha and Darren 
it oh. is a bewitched it is a bewitched spinoff. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so the soap opera Passions was was an unofficial bewitched spinoff that took place from ninety nine to two thousand eight. Oh, that's Not fun. Confused with yep. Tabitha, the TV show, yes, which was a bewitched spinoff about a um, you know uh, Tabitha in her late teens, mm-hmm. kind of going out doing her own thing with her uh, brother Adam. Uh, yeah, this but this was an unofficial uh, thing, and then she ends up having a baby at some point, and the baby they named the baby Endora, and yeah, so so they are. That was a show called Passions, ran until uh, 2008. Hmm. When you run out of Dark Shadows, there's a little something for you. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm going to make it through all of Dark Shadows, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, well, I'm very, very curious, though. <laughs> I, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's absolute garbage, but it's just fun. It would have been so much fun to write the show. I love, I love the idea of writing to a strict formula. And so every show opens with a voiceover, usually by Vicky Winters, the the nanny, who was kind of like the the main character at the beginning of the series. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the creator of the show, Dan Curtis, had a dream about this girl on a train or a young woman on a train, and and it just when he woke, it was the visual the visuals of it were so arresting to him that he just started like working on a story about it, and he took mm. that story to around to the networks and he was you know trying to sell it to them as a series and then ABC bit, and so he de- he developed that with the help of another writer. A guy named Art Wallace into making it into into a show, and oh. and so the original idea of the show is that Vicky Winters shows up in town, and she is um, she doesn't know who like she's an orphan and she doesn't know her past, so she's trying to discover that, and so she starts to be, meet people in town. So that's where Maggie's introduced as who works at a coffee shop, and then she ends up working with, as a nanny for the Collins and 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 all that stuff. And I but I've missed all that, you know. And that was like like. I can't even remember now. I was looking it up because it gives you like the order, like the number of episodes of each storyline mm-hmm. in uh, Wikipedia. So it was very helpful um, because then I could like kind of figure out what I missed and where I came in. Because I was just sort of curious. These are the kind of dumb questions I ask when I'm when I'm uh, getting when I get obsessed by things. Then I I have to like I keep looking keep looking thinking. But I'm trying not to look it up. Um, in a way that spoils it, so I'm trying not to like look ahead because I don't want to yeah. know all the I don't know what, I don't want to know all that stuff. But but yeah, so like you know she she shows up and then it's it's all um, yeah it's all. But I guess that wasn't I guess the storyline wasn't exciting enough for people, so they had to kind of um, they had to kind of uh, yeah. So sorry. So yeah, she gets a role as a governess, which was inspired by Jane Eyre by the Charlotte Brontes. Bronte story. And then they had a different story running from the same time, from the same time, which, which had this Burke guy that I mentioned earlier, Burke Devlin's revenge for his manslaughter conviction. And that was mm-hmm. also took up a bunch of air that I didn't see. And it kind of was um, a bit of a takeoff on the Count of Monte Cristo. So he shows up in town and he's no one recognizes him and he can kind of insert himself into this, into this. Because uh, I didn't start watching the show until episode 211. Oh, okay. That's when I showed up. So wow. I, there's already been <laughs> 210 episodes of stuff that I have not seen. So yeah. So I'm kind of there is there is an there is an alternate version of Dark Shadows on Tubi that's called The Beginning. So I imagine that is the first 210 episodes that I have not watched. So I don't know. I don't know if I should pause where I am and go back and watch that stuff, <laughs> or or just watch it later if I feel like it. Yeah, I, watch it later. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I just, Move on with your life. Yeah, live, I don't know. How I, live in the future. I don't know how I feel about it. And the other interesting thing about the show is that, if when you're looking at like the actors who are in the show, 
And, and so you're like, okay, and they played this character. Oh, no, they played five different characters on the show. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Played. That's how soap operas work, yeah. But, yeah, they, they, play, they play their relatives, and they play, like, because they go into the past in the show. They have a parallel time sequence. So, yeah, it's really, I'm just kind of looking forward to all this goofy goofy stuff. I'm hope, hopefully it gets, I don't know. It doesn't feel like this kind of show that can get wild just because of how it was done. You're kind of limited, you know, you're just actors on a, on a stage, on a very cheap set, performing a show that's done, you know, as, with for as little money as possible. But yeah, all very interesting. Yeah, I wonder when uh, I wonder when it hit its uh, height of popularity. Uh, well, when Barnabas entered the scene, then it started going up because the show apparently the show came on in the late afternoon, and so it was very popular with high schoolers coming home from school. Uh, okay, that makes sense. You get home yeah. from school, and everyone would you know watch a half an hour of Dark Shadows and figure out what's happening. What's happening? Because it would what's be the buzz. Tell yeah, because you know I'm watching them one after another. I'm not even watching them. I'm listening to them one after another. Um, but I imagine that it'd be pretty fun to like have, because there's a lot of cliffhangers. Because that's what I mean. Like That's the fun of the show to me is it. So it opens with a voiceover. And it's just something like, you know, something dark and mysterious is happening. A woman is being lured into a dangerous situation, one that she may never return from. And then the show, then it'll go into like an opening segment. And that'll have a bit of a cliffhanger. Then it'll go into the the, the, the title, Dark Shadows. Very short, very short, very modern in that sense. Not not a long thing with a bunch of uh, with a bunch of credits and stuff like that. It's just very short. Just says the name of the show and then has a bit of like, and then and then you go into like the main plot of the show and then it ends with a cliffhanger at the end. And there might be like a bit of a cliffhanger in the commercial breaks, of course, as well. But you have your definite like big big cliffhanger at the end of the show, which you know primes everybody to be there for tomorrow to watch what happens. You know, Will Sarah help make you escape? Yeah, neat. Yeah, it's no. goofy, goofy fun. Very good. And that was Dark Talk. Dark Talk or Dark Shadows. Nice. Well done. Well done, everybody, with this uh, with the, with our Dark Talk segment. <laughs> Who else is doing this? No one. No one. Oh, I'm You're not going to find this kind of content oh, anywhere else. No, I bet if I looked up Dark Shadows podcast. Yeah, you no would way. find it. There's absolutely no way we could uh, get away with that. But not with uh, our, you, not with our personable about- not with our personable characters. Did you uh, did you hear what's coming to Disney Plus? Uh, Muppet Show. Yeah, I'm really excited because they never finished the DVD series. Yeah, same here. So uh, super uh, super excited about that. Um, the only way they can make it better is if they if they introduce the half hour magical show magic show that came on before Muppet Show did on TV on Saturdays. What was the half hour magical show? It was internet. It was like an internet. It was a it was a uh, international magic show. It was filmed somewhere in in, in France. And so no one spoke. It was all just sleight of hand, you know, birdcage magic. Um, very pretty corny stuff. But it was on for half an hour, and then the Muppet Show would come on. Wow. What? Uh, okay. What? Uh, all right. What? Okay. I don't remember what it's called now. I'm sorry. I can't remember what it's called. But yeah, it was just a weird. It was just a weird show that came on before the Muppet Show. And I just remember that because I really wanted, I mean, as a kid, I would love the Muppets, obviously. So, you know, I loved Emma Otter's Christmas, which, and I loved the Princess and the Pea, I believe was the one. Uh, yeah, I, I think I missed one, one in there, but they, they, they had like specials as well. You know, the one with Dr. Tooth. Town Musicians, yeah. Yeah, Bremen Town Musicians, but then they had Lenwood, like, where we got it first in, introduced to the Dr. Tooth and the Mayhem Band and stuff. And um, Harry, the, the, or the anarchist, whatever his name was. Yeah, crazy. Was it crazy Harry? I don't remember. Sorry. Well, they've got, it they've is got Harry. two Harrys. There's Harry Monster. Okay, not Harry Monster. The, this uh, is the yeah the 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 guy holding the the stick for you know the the uh, little device for bl- causing the dynamite to blow up. Okay. Yeah, I think it was. Hmm. 
Okay, now you got me curious about that. But what, the magic show or the... Crazy, crazy Harry was him. Then, okay, right? okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The demolitions expert, they say. On the <laughs> show. I believe no, he was an he anarchist. was a mad bomber. Yeah, he was a mad bomber for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's what he was. I, they really shouldn't even have him on staff. That was a bad idea. <laughs> what were they thinking? But yeah, he was introduced in like, one, like an e- evening special that wasn't the Muppet Show. Because they did do some of those as well. Uh, just like, you know, kind of one-off shows that uh, they were that popular it's hard to imagine nowadays that puppets would be that popular but once upon a time but so uh so uh yeah with the mad bomber uh the, he also appeared in an episode of muppets tonight which i know mm. it's there's some good in that there's some not so good muppets tonight is a, the second second iteration of the muppet show right with the same yeah, with the theater the, and yeah, yeah hosted by clifford everyone's favorite character uh and um <laughs> And there was an episode where there was a bomb in the studio set to explode if the ratings go below 50. Oh, okay. That. Yeah. And so it was like, oh, and people thought, ah, oh, it's the, that's, it's Harry, he's the bomber. It's like, no. And it turned <laughs> out to be Sandra Bullock. <laughs> because she was so afraid she'd be so bad that she wouldn't be invited back. Yeah. So she made up a bomb threat so the show would get better ratings, <laughs> as Sandra Bullock would do. Just Sandy. Yeah, so this is pre nine eleven times, probably. Sure. I'm saying, sure. where it's you know, yeah. bomb you, threats and whatever. You can have some like, fun. You can have some fun. You can have a little fun with Sandra Bullock. Why not? She just got out of twenty eight days. She's, so <laughs> she's ready. She's making bomb threats. <laughs> sure, why How not? she changed after she came out of rehab? She was never the same after that. No, she wasn't. And uh, oh, I get what it is. It goes below fifty, so if it goes below eighty. Uh, it's a speed reference. A speed joke. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, now, now I'm cooking with gas. Yeah. Anyway, Prince singing raspberry sorbet was pretty good. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah, there were some good. There were some good sketches on there. There just, were some good sketches. It just, yeah. the rhythms, the timing, mm. the new voices. Yeah. Combined to be like not quite. But someone, someone on Twitter made a good comment, which is they're they're like, I wonder how people are, how young kids who are you. Who only know the old, the new voices are going to feel about a show with all the old voices? And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Because mm-hmm. that, yeah, yeah, because no, that is a good point. Yeah, because the girls can watch like modern Looney Tunes without cringing like I do, you know, because they don't, they're not married to Mel Blanc as as the voices of those characters the way I am, and so they can just watch that stuff and they just they they you know they just enjoy it for what it is. Whereas I'm just like the voices are all wrong. <laughs> Agreed. Our voices will be wrong at some point in the future too. People like listen to our show and it's like I gotta listen to early episodes. All oh, their voices are so different. <laughs> they, probably, they probably are. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna uh, uh, pick up the mailbag if that's okay. I'm okay, if you can lift it. Yeah. Let's see. We got to, oh, we got eleven uh, comments on the uh, page. Do we get any emails as well, or is it just straight comments? I think it's just straight comments today. Lovely. All right. Well, uh, well, I'll read like two, then you read a couple, and we'll go from there. Okay. Um, so last week, uh, we had questions of the week, as we do. Uh, and uh, uh, our friend uh, Kanan uh, gave us a question, which was, how did you discover Sneaky Dragon, and how long have you been a sneaker? Also, what uh, we asked, what TV shows have you been obsessed with in your life? Uh, so Scott McGinnis uh, wrote us, which is always a treat, yes. and says, hi, David and Ian. Hello, Hello Scott McGinnis. Um, a quick final chapter of my life story. Oh, that's right, because we following up on that. Uh, just because David asked him. Uh, 
uh, and uh, goes on to say, "You don't have to read this on the air, but you know what? I'm going to read. Uh, I'm going to read it anyway." We'll call this segment uh, Scott Talk. Scott Talk. So yeah, we read it. Okay. Um, so I stopped having contact with my dad when I was 16 because we just never got on. Uh, hmm. My mom made me go and visit him all through my childhood, uh, but it was never a particularly happy visit. I got on all right with his new wife, but to him and I just always seemed to butt heads. We were like opposites. And as I got older, we seemed to argue about everything. When I was 16, my mom said I was old enough to decide for myself if I wanted to visit him, and I didn't. Uh, there was no big final fight, no giant argument, no final straw. I just stopped contacting him, and he never contacted me. Seems we were both happy or not talking to each other, I guess. But mm -hmm. as for, uh, yeah, so, yeah, that does happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes, uh, yeah, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> And uh, this is as a guy who is uh, estranged from family right now. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Mario, uh, thanks for sharing that. I hope it was okay to read that. Uh, as for Kanan's question of the week, uh, I think that a lot of people, like a lot of people, I discovered you through your Beatles series, still one of the very best Beatles podcasts out there. Thank you. Yeah, uh, when I finished, I thought I'd give the rest of your shows a go. I listened to Full Marks because I'm a huge Groucho fan. I love the films and progressed from, uh, from them onto You Bet, you bet Your Life. I watched and listened to them so much that I was really considering trying to buy uh, Plymouth DeSoto. Wow, that is pretty... Okay. Uh, advertising really does work, even decades later. <laughs> uh, I, was, I know. I really want to buy some of asbestos. I hear good stuff about that. Um, I was always uh, in the asterisks rather than Tintin camp, so I haven't listened to totally Tintin. Fans planners I love. Looking forward to it returning post-COVID, post-Trump, post-Brexit utopia that's on the way. Uh, I listened uh, to most episodes of Listening Party 2, though it seems odd hearing Mary playing the part of Ian. Well, the big difference between one of us uh, and the other one is uh, one can't get COVID anymore. <laughs> so uh, she's healthier to listen to. So I guess I've been a proud UK sneaker for about three years and hopefully for many more. Funny you should talk about Coronation Street in the last episode, Ian. That was uh, my only real TV show obsession. We went on a holiday once years ago, back in the VCR days. I sent the video to record each episode of Corey, looking forward to a six-episode binge when we got back. <laughs> Unfortunately, something went wrong! Oh, no. For some reason, it recorded the sound, but there was only snow to look at. I tried and tried to fix it, but it was useless. There was no picture. Ladies and gentlemen, I listened to each and every episode. <laughs> Three and a half hours of audio-only Coronation Street. I was obsessed, though. I had to find out if Ken... I found out about Deirdre's affair. Uh, I was worried about Vera's declining health. Oh, Vera. And praying Phyllis had forgiven Percy. This was important. I had to know. I finally had to go cold turkey about 10 years ago. It went uh, to five episodes a week. And I just couldn't make that kind of time commitment. So now I fill the soap opera-shaped hole in my schedule with Sneaky Dragon. And I'm much, much happier. Stay uh, safe, David, Ian, and all my fellow sneakers. Um, yeah, it's, uh, we, that's weird being a replacement for Coronation Street. Um, we would, they would play it here in the afternoons, but then on, I believe either Sundays or Saturdays, I think it was Sundays, they would play all the episodes in a row. Hmm. So you could just binge them all if you wanted, but how could you wait to find out what was happening with our Terry? Oh, how could you, oh, Terry, <laughs> our Terry, and that Ken, keep it in your pants, Ken. Um, Louise writes us, my first uh, TV obsession was probably Star Trek, which led to being a regular viewer of Next Gen and Deep Space Nine. I bailed partly through Voyager and almost immediately on Enterprise, but they got me back with Discovery. 
Uh, Dave mentioned Longmire. My sister and I were happy when Netflix snapped it up after a &E canceled it. On paper, a series about a small town Wyoming sheriff, played by an Australian, and, and filmed like, in New Mexico. Didn't sound like, well, an Australian uh, police officer runs The Walking Dead, too. You know, it just happens. <laughs> oh, was it Australian? No, he's, no, he's British. British. He's British. British. Sorry. Didn't sound like our can of Rainier beer. Um, <laughs> nice reference. Uh, but while yeah. the town is small, the stories are big. We like the strong male and female actors in the cast and the multidimensional Native American characters. Small pet peeve. The character played by Lou Diamond Phillips does not use contractions. Apparently that is from the novels. I'm curious as to why he is always speaking like that. Thanks yeah, it's strange. I don't know. Strange. And this was, uh, I mentioned uh, an SCTV sketch. Yeah. And he goes, thanks for the tip on Jane, Air Jane Airhead. I think it's the 1970 uh, TV movie with Suzanne York and George C. Scott, they're spoofing. Uh, it's not my uh, favorite version, so I enjoyed their skewering of it. But I wonder if SCTV is splurged on the fancy costumes, sets, uh, an outdoor shoot, and a donkey, just so Joe Flaherty could play Rochester as the other Rochester. Uh, <laughs> the way the sketch brings the characters into the old black and white Jack Benny show actually reminded me of the opening episodes of WandaVision. By the way, I hope my theory about what is happening to Wanda is wrong. Here's my thing about uh, uh, Scarlet Witch and uh, Wanda. Um, uh, first of all, she is never called the Scarlet Witch in the in the. In, I, I asked about that. Like, is she ever called the Scarlet Witch? No. Well, she's not the Scarlet Witch. She's Wanda, and uh, it's still not too late then to call her Magic Wanda, which is a better name. <laughs> um, I started listening uh -huh. to Sneaky Dragon in 2014. My first episode was Yellow Submarine on Completely Beatles. Uh, I knew you were doing a regular podcast as well, so I checked that out. You won me over with your banter and title cards. Also, you knew us in real life. so That can dissuade people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of people I know who have podcasts that I do not listen to. Uh, but if Louise had a podcast, I would listen to her podcast. So, Louise, get a podcast. Maybe yeah, get Louise. one with Jackie. Yeah. Uh, and I'll follow up with Edward uh, Dragansky's response to Louise. Uh, it wasn't my first, but I second the obsession with Star Trek. An affiliate in Dallas used to show old syndicated reruns of the original series at 4 a.m. So I'd set my VCR to record each episode. Be careful. Sometimes that fails. <laughs> uh, I watch each one the following night, uh, following along with my Star Trek companion book. That does sound very logical, Edward. Very logical indeed. All right, uh, David, over to you and uh, Mick Elliott's uh, letter. Sure. And uh, while you read it, please don't feel guilty about having all that delicious chocolate. Sitting you. right nearby. Right at my elbow. He says, hey, gents. Great to hear that the Christmas chocolates arrived. Not so great that they arrived halfway through January. <laughs> I guess that's airmail in the age of COVID. Better send my 2021 Christmas chocolates soon. Yes, send them right away. Mm -hmm. He says, great question, Kanan. I discovered the SDU, the Sneaky Dragon Universe, <laughs> love it, via the less conventional, totally Tintin route in the mid-2018s. I just left a long-term office-based job and was working from home for the first time in my career, long before we all started working from home, of course. I was looking for podcasts to listen to while I worked that align with my, bracket, narrow range of, and bracket, interests. Top of the list was Tintin. I started with the Tin Tin in Tibet episode and was hooked in minutes. You guys are authentic, warm, respectful, funny, and always thinking about the audience. I oh, loved <laughs> I loved David's research, and I loved hearing Ian discovering Erge's work. 
When I finished Totally Tintin, I jumped straight into Completely Beatles and loved it too. I've been listening to everything sneaky ever since. A TV show I was briefly obsessed with was Hill Street Blues back in 1991, which we mentioned earlier in the show because Betty Thomas was on it. Mm-hmm. So if you're wondering who that director was we were talking about, Betty Thomas, that's who it was. She played Lucy? Was that her character's name on the I show? I think so, yeah. I, w- I also watched Hill Street Blues, that's why I knew that. Mm-hmm. Or sort of know that. It's been a long time. It was being rerun late on Sunday nights on the ABC, the public broadcaster in Australia, from the first episode. I don't love the cop drama genre generally, but I was having a rough time settling into post-high school life. And the weekly hour-long episodes were the incentive that got me through each week. A bit like Sneaky Dragon got us through 2020, I guess. That's enough Aww. for me. Keep doing what you do, gents. Mick. Thank you, Mick. Oh, that's Thank very, very, very uh, that's uh, very, very kind. Uh, I'm just looking here. Yeah, Lucy Bates. Okay, cool. Uh, was cool. played by Betty Thomas, and she was on the show for six years, 81 to 87. Do you want me to read Ed's notes? Yeah, because that's the response to, uh, to, the, to that letter. So, yeah, sure. Yeah, was... And just go on to read Edward's uh, other letter afterwards. Yeah, too. Uh, his response to... Anyway, did he respond to Mix? Yeah, he responded to Mix. Oh, okay, I'll read that one then. Okay, Hill Street Blues was a terrific show. I used to watch it with my dad every week. I used to hate it... Or sorry, I used to hate when Frillo's ex-wife, Faye... Who was Frillo? Who was that? Who played that, played that character? I will tell you... Uh, that was uh, Daniel J. Trevanti, the lead. Oh, that guy. Okay. I used to hate when Ferrillo's ex-wife, Faye, oh, Faye, yeah, showed up every week, bawling him out over something. I enjoyed Stephen Botchko and David Milch's writing so much, I invested years into also watching NYPD Blue and Deadwood, both in their entirety at the time they were originally aired. Then Ed also wrote to us to say, excuse me, just one second, I'm going to clear my... Did did they do cop rock as well? Uh, Yes, they did do cop rock as well. Okay, great. I think you guys already know this, but my Sneaky Dragon Gateway podcast was full marks. From, mm. from the looks of my history on Facebook, my sneaky start date goes back to around June or July 2018. I remember I was listening to the Marx Brothers Council podcast, so I searched for other podcasts that were centered or had anything to do with the Marxes. Little did I know that you guys had recently started full marks, so I caught up quickly. Not long after that, I jumped over to the flagship Sneaky Dragon podcast and struck gold again. These <laughs> podcast things are wonderful, I thought to myself. These guys talk about the same stuff I talk about. Up until that point, I hadn't considered myself a podcast enthusiast. And as I explored other podcasts, I quickly learned that none of them spoke to me like Sneaky Dragon did, or the Sneaky Dragon universe, like Mick mentioned above. <laughs> We've never met in person, but I consider you guys friends after these few short years. I consider myself fortunate I started my podcast journey with the best one with the best host. Thanks for being my friends. Oh, well, it's great to have you as a friend as well, Edward. Yes. Just so people know, I do think of you as friends. (laughs) That's why I love to hear from you. I can remember really being obsessed with watching Moonlighting in the late 80s, but I'm not really sure why. Maybe it was the humor mixed with all the Motown music integrated into the show, or the newness of Bruce Willis. I can tell you that I never miss an episode, and when I moved into the college dorm during the fall of 1987, I made sure to run downstairs and secure the TV room every Tuesday night. A cousin of mine was also hooked on the show. He lived outside San Diego at the time, so when I visited him, we went up to Hollywood in search of moonlighting memorabilia. It was all we could talk about. 
I've watched the show since then, and it really hasn't aged well. Moonlighting was truly a product of its time. I had a great experience with it at the time, and they really kind of ran it into the ground when it ended. Thinking of it brings mind, sorry, thinking of it brings to mind great memories of my cousin who we lost in 1996. We were very close, and moonlighting was something we were both obsessed with. I oh, sorry, sorry for sorry yeah, for your sorry loss. to hear that. Um, yeah, I remember like uh, the like them talking directly to the audience was a big deal mm. to me. I was like, oh, no one's doing that. Look, this is edgy, and I really liked their Shakespeare episode. I think it was the Taming of the Shrew. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I like the. I like. Well, I remember seeing the pilot episode. I'm really liking like the concept of it of this, you know, sort of uptight model being thrown into with this kind of, you know, uh, slovenly uh, detective. And I really also really enjoyed the uh, Doctor Seuss one as well. Where they. Oh. They okay. A, I'm not, I, oh, you haven't seen that one. That. Oh, oh yeah. We have to after the show's over. Uh, yeah, look at doc, just Doctor Seuss Moonlighting, and you'll see the. It's quite good. I don't know where to watch Moonlighting. Like, I don't know where that would be available. It's probably on Tubi. We'll check it out. <laughs> Sarah Walsh writes, Ah, heck. I wanted to comment on the last few episodes, but I've had some general distractions in my life. What? What? In a, in a smooth running, uh, oh, perfect world. What are you talking about, Sarah? It's all fine. Everything's just fine. You drive the prize. Anyway, uh, I kept forgetting until Friday, then swearing I'd wait until the new episode came out, answer everything at once. Now it would be a 10,000-word essay to say everything I want to. So I'll do the speed version. Uh, <laughs> I was all, almost named Rhiannon because apparently my mother was determined to name me after a Stevie Nicks song at all costs. Well, at least she didn't uh, name you Gold Dust Woman. <laughs> yep. I've always liked the name Susan, and I went by the shortened form of my middle name, Nikki slash Nicole, for a while as my stage name. But I've come to appreciate and accept Sarah. Uh, I mourn the loss of the American Mars bar, which was similar to, but not exactly the same as the almond Snickers. <laughs> uh, there was uh, also more recently the Baffle bar at Trader Joe's, which had the double benefit of being yummily similar to old Mars bars and being named something similar to my favorite member of Chumbawamba. Yes, I have a favorite member of Chumbawamba. Don't get me started on how awesome they are. Uh, we will not. <laughs> yeah, you keep you keep thumping you would, the tub about that. Yeah, you would uh, get knocked down. You would get up again. <laughs> and there is never no uh, a Boff Whaley. You know, that's a favorite member. Uh, but uh, as TJ's is wont to do, they discontinued it. Mm. My New Year's resolution were to comment on Sneaky Dragon posts more regularly. Oops. Uh, work on the usual diet and exercise stuff and learn to play trumpet and cello. At the same time? Well, yeah, you had me at cello. Uh, <laughs> trumpet is certainly a challenge. That's the only stupid dumb joke I about cello. Uh, trumpet is uh, certainly a challenge as it is essentially no relation to anything I already play. But it's coming along okay so far, I guess. My new and very cheap cello gets delivered tomorrow, Thursday. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, I have uh, played my Hofner bass with a bow to get cello-like sounds on a few recordings. So I'm hoping to have a bit of a head start on this one. Uh, now, as for this week's questions. Okay, here we go. <laughs> when House was on TV, uh, I, I had the uh, night of the week permanently blocked out for work or any other activities. I ended up getting so emotionally invested in it that I was a bit relieved when it ended. Uh, I think it used to, I used it as a form of catharsis. Uh, because there was some difficult stuff going on in my life that I didn't really know how to process. So letting it all out by a house was better than nothing. But at mm. some point, it didn't feel healthy. I have it all on DVD and or Blu-ray, and I still watch it from time to time. 
But there are certain episodes I skip because they're too dark and they take me to places I don't want to go again. And that is absolutely fair. Um, Hugh Laurie, it's a weird thing. I'm watching WandaVision now. And when Paul Bethany goes into goofball uh, comedy, uh, I think he's like channeling Hugh Laurie. Like he feels like <laughs> he's really doing like a Hugh Laurie impression. When, he, when Vision was drunk, uh, it seemed very Hugh Laurie-ish. But, uh, house was uh, a, house was a family show for us as well. We, yeah, Tuesday nights was a yeah. We had to watch House that night. Very good. Uh, I discovered Sneaky Dragon through completely Beatles. Uh, one of you, I think it was Ian, but I'm not sure. <laughs> of course, it was Ian. As if I would ever post something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Posted a plug for it on some Beatles related forum or Facebook page I was on. It sounded interesting, so I checked it out. I think you were around Yellow Submarine or White Album at the time. But I started from the beginning because that's what I do. I was working in an office and I listened to music, podcasts, or baseball pretty much all day, every day. So when they ran out of Beatles episodes, I figured, what the hell, might as well check out the main show. I think I listened to one current episode and liked it. So then I started from the very beginning because, well, that's what I do. All right. That's admirable. I can't imagine. Although, 2000... 18, or, or, no, sorry, you started with Committee Beatles at the time, so that's 2014. Yeah, it wasn't quite the backlog that we imagine starting now and we're deciding to go back and listen to them all. What a, what a project. Yeah, I'm sorry that you missed our uh, our um, uh, Chumbawamba podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but we've erased all those episodes for legal reasons. <laughs> the Chumbawamba Chums. Yeah. Was I was going to go with Chumbawamba Chaps, but I like Chumbawamba Chums. In England, <laughs> it's called Chumbawamba Chums, and that's where we also call it football. <laughs> that's what they call baseball there, football. Football. Football, they play it with their hoots. Football has been very, very nice to me. Jada Jackman writes, I'm going to read this one too. Sure. Because I think I can get through it with my throat. Uh, <laughs> oops, I hope I'm not late. Was it Wednesday or Thursday night? I can never remember. Me either. And I'm on the show. Well, I'll answer Kanan's questions anyway. I discovered Sneaky Dragon through the oh-so-good Completely Beatles podcast. The thing uh, with me is if I like something, I must know everything about it. So in the case of the Beatles, once I decide to uh, really start listening to them, I want to find something or someone to help explain the songs and their context. And that is where you come in. Side tangent about the Beatles. Beatles side tangent! I have uh, probably had a very different experience with the Fab Four than most people who listen to the podcast. I am, of course, a little younger than you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, gee. Uh, when I'm 64. Uh, <laughs> this is all I have to say. Uh, that, that This is all to say that I didn't really hear the Beatles music growing up and didn't know much of anything about 60s music. At age 17, I was really lost uh, in my musical taste. When I was younger, I just listened to whatever was on the top charts or some uh, indie pop my friends were listening to, but I wasn't quite satisfied. Uh, then YouTube recommended me some of the videos of Beatles interviews. Now, I can't quite describe the feeling of being a teenage girl and seeing the Beatles do literally anything, but I instantly fell in love. Not with any one of them, okay, maybe George, uh, but just the Beatles as a whole. They are hilarious in interviews, very charming. I was blown away by it. No one told me the Beatles were so funny. After binge-watching various Beatles Best Moments compilations, I had to listen to their music. I had heard several of their songs before, but I wanted to hear everything they had and started right from the beginning. This, of course, sent me down a path of discovering music existing before the 2000s, (laughs) but that's a story for a different time. Anyway, away from the Beatles tangent. So anyway, I started listening to your podcast with Please Please Me, 
uh, formatted perfectly for someone who doesn't know that much about the Beatles. And plus, I started to like the hosts a lot. On that podcast, you guys mentioned uh, this one. And after I finished completely Beatles, I came straight here. I think that was the start of 2016, which feels so very long ago. Oh, Lord, does it? <laughs> I must admit, there was about a year and a half period where I dropped off. Uh, but since 2019, I've been listening consistently. I think I dropped off for two years, too. Um, <laughs> to be fair to me, when I was in college and I stopped listening to podcasts altogether, just not just yours, it's fine. Um, We're okay with that. I think what's truly amazing is how consistently great this podcast is. Oh, you. And I suspect it's because you two are, are really as great as you come off during each episode. Oh, you. Uh, thanks, Ed, for always brightening my week. And please keep on sneaking. Oh, you. Thank you, Jada. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Over to you, David. Oh, okay. So we have a letter from, or a message from Laurel. Laurel Robertson writes in to say, hello, Ian and David. Hello. In answer to Keenan's question, I came to Sneaky Dragon via Completely Beatles. It really is our gateway drug. Mm-hmm. Completely Beatles about seven years ago. I actually had to look up my review of CB on iTunes to get an idea of when that was. April 2014. Completely Beatles was my gateway podcast. Haven't missed an episode since. To answer the sub-question, which is not Kanan's, I have had several shows I was obsessed with. As a kid living in Brazil in the 60s, we only could see a very few American sorry, we could only see a very few American TV shows, all in Portuguese. Man from Uncle, Bonanza, and Lost in Space. With the robot waving its arms around crying, Perigo, Perigo. <laughs> we came back for a visit mid-60s for two months, and my sister and I were wild to see Girl from Uncle. That's right, there was a girl from Uncle. Who starred in that? Do you remember? I don't know, but I'm gonna look it up. Okay, and the monkeys. As many times as possible. Uh, well I could I'll go with you on the monkeys. I just I never saw Girl from Uncle. We loved those so much. Later, when we moved back to the U.S. to stay in 1969, my very favorite program was the Mod Squad. Does I'm anyone know that one? Yeah, indeed. I'm going to interrupt by saying sure. Stephanie Powers. Oh, okay. Huh. So she was in Heart to Heart later on, right? That's that's, that's right. Stephanie Powers. Okay, cool. She's gorgeous. I was just going to say that she is gorgeous. Oh boy, the things I. Uh, all right, that's okay. Calm Just down. All right, settle down. Man right. bites dog. <laughs> this is, that's his line for Mr. Deeds Goes to Town. Oh, very nice. I like the deep cuts, sir. Sorry for sorry for interrupting. Back to Mod Squad. No problem. Does anyone remember? Does anyone know that one? You know what, Laurel? That show was still on when I was just conscious enough to remember tv shows of that time period i can remember adam 12 and i can remember the mod squad for some reason yeah clarence williams the third that is true yeah and of course peggy lipton Pe- peggy lipton mother of uh lipton soup she invented lipton soup <laughs> no rashida jones oh very good <laughs> lipton soup who was the third <laughs> what's who that, that who is the third? i don't remember who the third one was he is the the guy that gets left out of everyone's whitey mind. white bread <laughs> whitey white bread that's who it is. was uh michael cole there you go michael cole everyone remembers him went on to great success in a stocking yeah he invented yeah he invented cole <laughs> i was totally obsessed with that one and still love it when i take a few minutes to look at it oh uh, sorry i still love it sorry you fooled me with this uh straight apostrophe here laurel I'll just read this again. I was totally obsessed with that one and still love it when I take a few minutes to look at it. Oh my gosh, look at an episode on YouTube. I'm sorry, I'm adding my own my own uh, article, or no, articles, pronouns. 
But I also loved any of the variety shows with comedians such as Marty Feldman's and George Carlin's short-lived shows. And Cindy and Cher's. Oh, I loved all those shows, too. I loved those shows. American TV was so much fun. Later, like you, David, I wouldn't miss Monty Python either. Since that era, there have been a few sitcoms that I really adored. WKRP, Welcome Back Cotter, and others. And in more recent times, Seinfeld, 30 Rock, and The Mentalist. He was The Mentalist. <laughs> Mostly, I like the shows that have some pathos with a whole lot of great hearty laughs, like Sneaky Dragon. Speaking of, happy days are here again in the States. Take care all and have a great week. Yes, that is great. All right, do you want me to finish off with Chris's... Uh, no, Laura, there, was, uh, there was one more from Laurel right after that. Uh, oh, we're going to, to Sarah. Sarah, I have the same problem. No. Often Friday comes along and I haven't had a chance to answer the sneaky dragon questions. It's nice you took the time to go back and answer so many. There we are. Yeah, yeah I'll finish off with Chris. Okay, you'll finish off All with right. Chris. Uh, like several of, hi, Chris Roberts wrote. Uh, like several of us here, I also came in through the bathroom window of Completely <laughs> Beatles. Nice reference, well played. Uh, back in the summer of 2016, uh, I think uh, I read about the show in a roundup of podcasts recommended by The Guardian. I think it, uh, I think it was The Telegraph. Yeah, I think it was The Telegraph as well. There was that and that other magazine that he really liked. Enemy. There you go. Uh, as well, with friends like <laughs> Who Needs Enemy, as well <laughs> as my love for the subject matter, I thought the A in Completely was such a great touch. That's all day. It's all me. I would not have gotten that joke. I would not have understood it. <laughs> well, it works, it works two ways. People will either get it because they know the old documentary, The Complete Beatles, written that way as if it was The Complete Angler, the Isaac Walton book. Or it's just a joke because the Beatles spelt their name as EA and I, we did the completely as EA as well. It works yeah. two ways. You can take it how you want it. My first Sneaky Dragon was around episode 240 or so, almost where Dave is with the Barnabas Collins. <laughs> um, so, so really, I, that was the time that our vampire character showed up. Mm, that's uh, right. I really had no idea what to expect, apart from the sheer fun and pleasure of hanging out with the two of you some more. But my memory is that within 20 minutes or so, you'd reference Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, Buster Keaton, and I knew I'd be sticking around. Like Sarah, I scuttled back to the very start and have listened to every episode more than once, some more than once. Ooh. So uh, not always on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's understandable. Early TV obsessions are much like Dave's. Uh, Python and the Monkeys Woo. were the shows that really pained me to miss as a teen. I also love the goodies, Woo. Morgan and Wise, The Prisoner, Woo. and the old gray whistle test. Never got I that don't here. know that one. That was a music show. It was a, I think it started off as like taped music and then later it turned to live, live performances. Very good. And the, the band, one. and the band that uh -huh. made them turn to live performances was Brinsley Swartz that featured uh, Nick Lowe, if you remember Nick Lowe, who... Uh, but yeah, I guess they were going to do an appearance on the show and they insisted that it be live. And the BBC were like, well, we can't because we don't have like the proper equipment for it. And they said, oh, we'll bring in our own mixer. And they did. And they did it live. Oh, thanks. Anyway. Very good. A little trivia for everyone. Uh, you... That last one. Okay. The Ogre was one. The last one wasn't always great, but it was pretty much the only decent music show we had back then. <laughs> Space came later. And uh, more recently, I loved uh, Utopia, the UK version. I thought it was brilliantly original. Keep on sneaking dragsters. Yeah, um, Spaced is now available on Amazon Prime. Yeah, here. well, here in here in North America, anyway. Yeah, here in North America. Uh, so, you know, if you want to catch that. That was the reason I bought a multi-region DVD player, <laughs> was because I wanted to watch the second season of Spaced, and they only aired the first season here on some artsy channel. 
And then it was like, I got to see the second season. And then we found out like a multi-region DVD player uh, was like very cheap because the cheaper the DVD player, the more likely it was to not have the safety features uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, of yeah. regions. And so I was like, well, that's great. So I think I bought a DVD player for like 40 bucks. And, uh, and then we were able to watch the second season and we, we, we ordered a whole bunch of DVDs from the UK, spent so much money on those. And anytime <laughs> we'd go to London, we'd load up on DVDs Yeah. Uh, because, uh, oh my gosh, and just shocking how few, how, how many shows you had there that we didn't have here. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And yeah, I tried watching a previous show that, uh, uh, Simon Pegg and, uh, Jessica Hines, who I forget her name now, but, uh, did called Asylum. Okay. It also had a fella in it from um, uh, Mighty Boosh and, uh, and the uh, guy who played the ship in Red Dwarf. And I was like, oh, this is a great cast. This will be a great show. It wasn't, it wasn't a good show. <laughs> it wasn't very good? No. But everyone was working very hard. Okay. They're yeah. trying their best. They, they, they needed that practice to get to make space as, as great as it was. Yeah. Agreed. That is, uh, that is the case. So thank you so much all for your uh, letters. Yes, and, thank you. Uh, and, and thanks for the love. We got a lot of love in those letters this, this week. Yeah, so that we appreciate really that. Does, uh, look, it's a, it's a weird time, people. <laughs> it's a weird time. And, uh, and there you go, and there you go. Uh, oh, I want to ask Dave. Yeah. Uh, are you guys back to playing spike ball, or is that... No, uh, we're, still, uh, we're still under COVID, under co- heavy COVID. Yeah, the, uh, our, our friend David Fine uh, went to the beach recently and took some pictures, and there were some fellows playing spike ball. Idiots. And, uh, well, this is the thing. Um, so that was my <laughs> feeling. It was just like, well, this is like the most dangerous game in the world. Yeah. Yet then some people were saying, there again, there's been no record of transmission from people playing sports on the beach. Yeah. But I'm like, this specific sport this... is designed for transmission of COVID <laughs> nothing else. Uh, yeah, I mean, well... I mean that's true. It You're seems, all facing the same direction. Yeah, it just seems, but it just seems like being outdoors, it's less likely to spread for whatever reason. So I don't know, yeah. but yeah, we're just not. We're not. We're like one of our teammates is a major germaphobe, and I mean major germaphobe. So he's a person who, like, if he was eating a peanut and it fell onto a table, will throw the peanut away rather than eat it. I was gonna say he'll throw the table away. He throw the table away too. That's right. That this much of a shocking thing. table. Uh, how dare it catch the peanut? He. Yeah, he's just uh, really, you know, just, and that's fine. I mean, I'm not saying this to mock him or anything. It's just that's is who he is. So for him, this is very difficult. And so, you know, he's just being, he's been extra cautious. So things like spike ball and stuff like that are right out. And that's fine. I, I, I personally, I, I think that it's would be irresponsible. I think that we could play Frisbee because we're definitely standing far away from each other. And because we play on, on asphalt, the Frisbee is super rough so we all we all wear our gloves while we're playing okay so we really wouldn't we wouldn't be having like skin contact with a frisbee so i think that would be safe and i i've i you know it's just you know it's winter time that's also why we're yeah, not doing stuff right now you're tempted to catch it in your <laughs> mouth for some it's winter time and we've had like the rainiest winter that i can remember for a long time and and uh a little deck talk um it's been really nice like having this like terrible monsoon weather that we've been going through and not have to like think about the tarp or any kind of worry about walking into the shop and discovering like a, uh, uh, some, some, you know, uh, leak has sprung up and, and water is dripping down onto valuable things in here. So it's, it's really nice just to have like a sealed up 
place that I just I can walk into anytime and it's just nice and dry and there's not the smell of wetness and you know and things drying off and all the rest of it that that I've had for the last last number of years. So That's hooray, great. hooray. Hooray to Lucelay. <laughs> Do you have a question for this this week? Okay, my question for this week is okay, this is probably going to get no response from anyone. All right. But it's we've had a hint. We've had a hint from Sarah. Okay. But I'm going to ask, what is your favorite sport, and why do you like it so much? Oh. <laughs> now, I don't know if it's going to get much response, because I feel like that may be out of our audience's Are you calling them all wheelhouse. nerds? I'm ref- saying that we, overall, we do tend to head towards the nerdy side of, of interest. Then let me pick up this nerdy slack here. <laughs> Please pick up the nerdy, the nerdy snacks. I mentioned uh, that... Uh, that uh, Passions was an unofficial sequel mm-hmm. or spinoff of, uh, of Bewitched. Yep. Uh, what is your favorite spinoff uh, television program? Oh. Favorite show that came from another show? Of course, it's Aftermash. A show that began... Oh, well, yeah, you can't beat Aftermash. Jamie Farr and his wife uh, <laughs> not having any problems. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> Them all talking about to, how the war was bad. Just to finally put the, the, the nail in the idea that that Klinger might have been gay. Oh, no, he was married. No, he was married. That's absolutely right. What they should have had was, yeah, they should have had him living as a trans gentleman in the 50s. They should have <laughs> then had uh, uh, yep. uh, the doctor, Harry, Morgan's character, Potter. They should have had him... Uh, being a being a doctor who was like losing his mind, and you find out he actually was the crazy character that he previously played on Mash, and then you had to have Mulcahy doing exorcisms, but he was losing his faith, and then the three of them had to live together because none of them could pay the rent, and uh, that would be after Mash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds yeah. sounds great. Sounds hilarious. Yep. A laugh a minute. Do they have sex uh, with nurses? Yes, oh. accidentally. <laughs> okay, sounds great. I just want to. I just want to uh, further further elucidate with my. That's not the right word. Anyway, I just want to further explain my my question, which is: it can be a favorite sport that you play, or a favorite sport that you enjoy watching. Right. My uh, our new boss, same as the old boss, obviously. Wow. Anyway, he told us yesterday that. If you come to his house on Sunday, you will find him at 8 in the morning, seated on his couch, watching sports until 8 in the evening. Now, that may have been an exaggeration, but... Uh, is, this an, is this an invitation for you to do that? I don't think so. I think he was just calling... He's just saying, I'm a, I'm a, sporty, I'm a sports fan, and I like team metaphors, and I'm going to give you a lot of team metaphors in the next few minutes, is what he was saying. That was the... He didn't say that outright, but that was the overall meaning of that I like sports part of it. Okay. Which is, we're getting a lot of, there's no I in team, you know. But you know what's in team? Meat. There's a lot of meat in team. Yeah. There's also me. There's also me. So there's no I, which yeah. is, you know. I know, it's a weird thing. Synonym. Yeah. So there you go, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, oh, um, by the way, as, as we wrap as, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, you wrap up. No, I've got some wrapping up, aren't I? Yeah, you're wrapping up. I just wanted to say, uh, now that it doesn't matter anymore, uh, I've been Q the whole time. <laughs> the character from Star Trek Next Generation. Well, here's the thing. I cos you know I like cosplaying as Q from Star Trek and <laughs> you cosplaying do love it. as Q from uh, the Roger Moore era of uh, of, of of James Bond. 
He was the uh, why, why from the Roger Moore era. He was the same. The he was the same actor during the Sean Connery era. No, no, but it was cockier in the Roger Moore era, and they gave him too <laughs> okay. many lines. Okay, all right. So that's when. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> like it really just went too far. Right? Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. That sort of thing. And then, oh, God. You know, whatever. John right. Q. Delancey uh, says. Um, so, but I'm also the conspiracy theorist. Ah. So I just wanted to say I'm mm-hmm. really sorry yep. uh, for all. I, I, it was a goof and it went too far and I didn't know how to shut it down. Yep. But now that it's all blown over, that's why pencils have erased you. Okay. And I'm just going <laughs> to go back to the other Q stuff that sure. I like to do. That's great. Okay, so again, I apologize for all the sedition. I apologize for all anything that happened with that. But, you know, bygones be gone, bygones, boys will be boys. And so on. Q drops keep dropping on my head. Yep. Okay. End of show. All right. Everyone, you can contact us through the following means to answer this week's fantastic questions you can go to our website it's called sneakydragon.com there you will find our shows and you'll also find places to leave comments underneath those shows please listen to our shows such as this show sneaky dragon that show sneaky dragon listening party those shows completely beatles full marks totally tintin or old episodes of the fansplainers which hopefully we'll be bringing you back one of these days come on covid get out of here you can also contact us via email. It's uh, sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. We are on Facebook, which is called Sneaky Dragon. And we're also on Twitter at sneaky underscore dragon. We have a presence on Twitter. Oh, sorry, not Twitter. On uh, Tumblr. And also we're on Patreon, where you are welcome to support the show if you so, so care. And apparently you guys love us a lot. So, you know, you could do that too. And that is the show for this week, everyone. Thank you. I just want to reiterate that I... And I'm going to speak for Ian here. We think of you as friends. And we love when you come here into the Sneaky Dragon lair and join us for our show and listen in and then write back and make great jokes and tell us great stories. And it's just fantastic. It's a great community and we really do love you all. So take care out there. Be safe. Don't take any chances you don't have to. I know everyone's excited because times are changing, but let's not get too changing right yet. Keep your masks on. Keep safe out there. And we hope to see you, hear you, talk to you next week. Right, Ian? That's right, Dave. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Four seventy-seven. Yeah, nice number. Take oh. it. All right, let me just. Uh, well, let's get some silence, and then, uh, then I'll take it. Well, that sounded wrong.